welcome to the podcast, the Polarized Podcast, the podcast for all your polarizing movie needs. I am your one of your hosts, James. We talk about polarizing movies according to Rotten Tomatoes. Either the critics love it, audiences hate it, or vice versa. Welcome, welcome. Uh, today's movie is Green Street Hooligans. It is a 2005 feature. We got a 47% from the critic side of things. And then we got an 87% on the audience side of things. From a 0 to a 100, 0 being worse and 100 being best, this is the spectrum that Rotten Tomatoes gives you. If you were to look at tomato and you'd be like, oh, this is a green tomato? Gross! I don't like green tomatoes. I like these popcorn fresh tomatoes that are on the other side of the spectrum. It's a weird system. I, don't, I guess I don't quite understand it. Maybe I'm attributing green uh when it's really just rotten it's it's just rotten but then there's the popcorn symbol on the other side i don't know i'm trying to i'm trying to understand it this is this is the system that this podcast lives and dies by uh this is green street hooligans so you know we'll 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 come to terms what the the meaning of green is within this film perhaps i don't know is the street green in any way is it literal is it symbolic is it deep does it refer to tomatoes in any way am i getting off track we'll find out but first i want to bring in my compatriot my number two for today my bobber 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 that will not betray me but stick by my side always I want to introduce you people to the great Brandini. He has come here today to join us in this polarizing movie discussion. Brandini, how's it going? How you doing over there <laughs> on the other side of my screen that I'm looking at right now? God, welcome. Yeah, you know what? Shout out to all those polar bears. I, you know, I, I feel like I haven't shouted them out in a while. We've been away. You know, we had a week off. I want to say it was my B day. We uh, graci graciously took a break. Uh, not to say can we can again, we make it like, a tradition for you to like call out the polar bears every episode? Like do a absolutely. little like oh you did a polar bear roar one time. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> Something like that. There was another one that was good too. Yeah. Um, no, but shout out to all the polar bears. I'm excited <laughs> to be back. Um, yeah, we took took some time off. Had my birthday. Uh, you came down, celebrated my birthday with me, which I really appreciate. We went and saw Pusha T. It was Ooh. awesome. Um, and had delicious yeah. Italian food beforehand. What a and night, man. Oh my, oh my God. That was, <laughs> that was I've, again, I think I said that night, I felt like a, a true like king. I was like, I don't know, from to be <laughs> able did. to just like nosh on some amazing uh, pizza. Uh, we got all oh, this, foca this focaccia, that's this pasta um and that some... pasta was a vision man oh that was the first time <laughs> having pasta at that place i've i've only gone there three times now and every time okay. i get pizza and then sometimes i'll split a calzone as an appetizer Oof. which next time we go we'll do that instead of the focaccia because like the calzone man isn't just just wonderful absolutely wonderful but yeah it's kind of uh, a, a point of like it's a part of our relationship at this point i feel like because we've <laughs> you came out to visit me one time with our past guest kalo and we went to this one calzone place together 
out here in, mm-hmm. in Los Angeles and really good too. One of the best nights of, of the other best nights oh, of my yeah. life. You know, we didn't, we didn't see a concert after I, you know, I had a hard enough time just standing during Pusha T at certain points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wasn't enjoying it the whole time, but I was like, Ooh, I am full. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, that we was... were in a carb coma. Almost, <laughs> <if> you, <will. laughs> you know, there's a rap song about a cush coma. We were in a carb coma. <laughs> that's going to be our new single is carb <laughs> yeah, coma. That's... Yeah. Yeah, all, all you polar bears get out there, make a beat. It's dropping <laughs> soon. It's dropping uh, soon. Carb coma coming soon. <laughs> but we took, yeah, we took, we took a little mini break. Um, you know, it th- things happen. Of course, to sell to celebrate you, and that that was a blast. Um, you know, yeah, you, you, it, I I saw speaking of concerts, you and I have feel especially you. We've been on kind of a concert streak, I feel like, lately. Massive concert streak, yeah. I, I haven't talked to you since I saw Dead & Company at Dodger Stadium over yeah. the weekend. And let me tell you, that show was one of the coolest, <laughs> most fun shows I have ever been to. For being like a very like yes. new person to Grateful Dead in general, uh, my soon-to-be brother-in-law is like full-on like ride-or-die deadhead all the way he's he like as a child his dad brought him to grateful dead when jerry garcia was still alive and, and he saw and he's, he's been to shows plenty of shows and i got to go with him and uh, it, it was like one of those things where it was really difficult getting in and he didn't have their shit figured out in front of uh like the entrance and everything and the show started and there was just a whole crowd of people waiting to get in no fucking and i way. think part of it besides disorganization and, and things like that was also part of uh grateful dead shows people will do a bunch of tailgating and uh they have copious amounts of acid right all that sort of (laughs) stuff but i forget the damn it now i'm going to sound like a real noob but there's this they set up the street where everyone walks down walks over to and can pick up like can buy like trinkets and merchandise that is self-made by all the all the fans and that's just they set up whatever show damn i feel bad i'm forgetting the name of it but um yeah. So, and then I think everyone, right when the show's about to start, everyone just, you know, is like, all right, let's go in. But still, like getting there, there was like two porta potties for like everybody at Dodger Stadium outside the entrance. And it was like, what is happening? And then we just sat in this like sea of people. And it was just like, it was an interesting experience, man. I'm just kind of going off of, yeah. about this, but right. it's like interesting. Mm-hmm. Where it was like, I just, it's already a, a weird experience being in that situation where you're just, you know, you're just locked in with people. And, you know, this has happened at soccer games as well. Like notoriously there, you know, there's one, I forget exactly how to reference it, you know, the, the year and what stadium and all that stuff where people get trampled because of this kind of stuff. And recently Travis Scott as well. And it's just like, I was sitting there thinking like, man, if the people here weren't so fucking cool and nice, like I could picture some of this getting kind of dicey, you know, or Dodger stadium, it's like a, a big popular spot and everything, but it just, situations like that kind of almost make more sense to me when I think of like Travis Scott or I know, would and, say too a factor it's, like, it's kind of scary age, it's like right because yeah oh for sure age yeah because mm-hmm. the Travis Scott concert like so much of that I would assume had to do with you know obviously like poor uh festival management that's number one too. for sure like it should number not one. it should not matter what attitude what the crowd age? is and that's not yeah, yeah that's not really you know, there's, there's sure. a code of conduct, but if they break it, there should be measures to enforce that. Mm-hmm. Like, so I don't want, yeah, I don't want to make it seem like I'm place, placing blame on, on fans and everything, but I'm just thinking, it's just scary to think like 
disorganization can, uh, and with that combination of, um, you know, you're right. Yeah. Sorry. Cut you off on your point. Oh no. Yeah. Like I just, no, but to build on your point is, is like with poor festival management, you in a Travis Scott situation, you're dealing with much, a much younger audience, which I mean, of course those people are going mm-hmm. to get rowdy going to there and a majority of those people given the fact of their age are so anti like conformity anti-establishment mm-hmm. it just really being kids like pushing boundaries and whatnot and if you don't have the padding around them for that to be a healthy and conducive environment to have a good mm-hmm. time then they're obviously going to take advantage of it because what team doesn't take advantage of every opportunity given to them and also just treats overall like systems and things poorly because they're just raging against it or they just yeah like they haven't had enough life experience to be like oh i shouldn't act like this because it could do this Mm -hmm. you know that's something that comes with age and going with going to concerts and whatnot and yeah like i i it's on yeah i i really do think because i uh, it's a criticism i would levy at coachella too Mm -hmm. is that Coming back from the pandemic, like the entertainment industry was one of the hardest ones hit. And so getting back into the swing of things in the sense of just having the capital in order to have like a very strong infrastructure, I think is just overall was lacking because you're trying to uh, like this is your first outing and you have to recoup a lot of lost costs because of just not being able to uh, put on events and to generate revenue. And so like, you know, a thing that I would call out for Coachella was is that there was seemingly not enough uh, like there wasn't enough water stations being sold and there wasn't enough bathrooms in the uh, campgrounds or two stuff, things. That yeah. I, like stuff like that is like almost criminal, man. <laughs> you know, right, like no, basic totally. human needs. Yeah. I felt like I spent a good 25 minutes at Coachella one day, just trying to hunt down bottled water. Oh my goodness. Because not every food vendor sold water Whoa. and only certain vendors did sell water and it wasn't what blew me away. And there was a really funny TikTok about it is, is that there were so many goddamn lemonade stands at oh, Coachella, no. but, but none of them sold water. Oh. It wasn't lemonade and water. It was just lemonade. And weird. I just, it, it was so weird to me that there is an egregious amount of lemonade stands, but none of them sold water. So you really just kind of had to like, it does force you though to, and you know, I just, it's tough for me. Uh, the point I would make is, is like, I get that it's probably best to go the route of bringing a refillable water. And it wasn't, I, it's not to say that there weren't water refill stations there, but yeah, I'm just not it's the type of person not, that, wants to, that wants to carry around a bottle with me all yeah. day. Like I'm, I'd much rather pay the three bucks, get a water, and then move on. And the next know? one will be nice, icy cold as well. And it's like, again, not your fault for not being prepared in that way where there should be, you know, yeah. And especially when they can make however much money on water, even like, the, you know, I, I think it's usually like three bucks or whatever, but it's like, right. That that's just obvious, like basic sort of stuff. And I've been feeling that at some of these events that I've been going to as well. And it's like, I went to the Greek theater and, this Larry David, you know, event where, you, you know, he had like an interview on stage. It took so long to get to park there that they had to start the show a half hour late because they didn't have enough. Like it wasn't staffed enough for 
the people to park. I know this is first world problem sort of stuff, but it's like, it's interesting kind of breaking down like these event sort of structures and how, yeah, a lot of places are just understaffed and um, it's hard to put on these kind of things, but they still do. And it's, it's not fully organized. So it's just like, feels weird as an audience member to walk into a situation like that where you're just like, Oh, I don't know how prepared this. It's not a full fire festival sort of thing, but it's not a, great feeling when you're put in that situation you know you you want to go into a situation kind of just like let your be a little more carefree about it that's what a concert is and it's like oh no i kind of have to be like on my shit because this is uh more like i gotta make some smart decisions (laughs) because apparently they (laughs) they didn't uh, prepare enough and i had to prepare more than i thought i would have to um but yeah yeah, that's yeah I think I, yeah, it's, it's, it's something that we've always enjoyed a lot in our, our life. It's been a big part of our relationship is like going to shows and everything that was so Massive fun. Part, yeah. So fun for your, uh, for your B day to jet, mm. jet out to San Diego, beautiful San Diego. Beautiful um, day too. When oh, you came it down, it was just perfect. like a nice 75 degrees outside, sunny. Oh yeah. It's yeah. It's, and it's been pretty great. I mean, it's been a little gray here, but yeah. Um, had what one, what just a a, like best breakfast the next day it was it was a dream um oh my god yeah fairies i'm going back there for sure like <laughs> that is on my list like that's just if if i'm ever I, even the, like the proximity is pretty wide if that area is if that spot is close to me i will go <laughs> oh my god and they you know at first it seems a little like you know kind of um showy for them to have a sign that says best breakfast in san diego but when you experience it you're like god damn it this mm-hmm. is the best breakfast yeah it, oh love it love it love it love it it's love exactly it so what i want they had everything <laughs> i wanted and it was perfect and uh i wouldn't and have the service too way. i would say is another oh, thing so like many the- heater uppers man it was out of control Never had a oh my lukewarm God. cup of coffee. It was always just Never top, a- <laughs> topped off every every. Always topped off. Uh, like yeah, I just it's something that always should be said. And when you're reviewing or enjoying or yeah, just a, a part of the restaurant going experience. Like Perry's also nails it, where it is typically like middle aged women who have obviously been uh, in the service industry for a while, and they mm-hmm. just like get it. They just are always like checking in on everybody, making sure coffee are filled calling in bussers to make sure that people have certain items then taking orders and then from your order being taken to when it comes out is a really short amount of time because they are well staffed in the kitchen there's mm-hmm. a ton of chefs and they just pump out really quality breakfast food hell <laughs> so, yeah dude diner style you close out with the cashier and you're on your way and, and good to go uh, yeah yeah oh my god yeah i need to can always go there i know I do, I do like a midnight breakfast run and just eat breakfast in the middle of the night that's so fun um mm-hmm. but i don't know any sort of way to transition <laughs> to our, our movie i almost i almost you know i was trying i almost figured something out earlier uh but it was more morose with like you know crowds trampling and, and stuff like that and oh right because I, sure. I forget that incident it was at a soccer stadium that's just that's a, that is like a it's just a fear of mine. I think it's like a phobia of mine to, to be in that situation. You just lose all control control and you have no control of your body and you just start moving and getting squished like in ways that sure. like you, you're just, yeah, you're a piece of me. I don't know. I, that it's truly like terrifying for me. But, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and I watched a document and I feel bad that I don't even know like the, how to describe that event, but I, 
at one point I watched a documentary about it and that started a new fear for me <laughs> that I didn't know I had. And, uh, well, so even though this is a hard transition because of yeah. what we're talking about, doesn't really relate Please. too much to this, but what I, then I just want to, maybe this will be the transition is, is James, what is your, do you have a history with this movie? Have you seen this movie b- before? Thank you for asking. Uh, no, I have not. I have definitely heard of it. It's been one of those ones where I think I mentioned on Boondock Saints, possibly it'd be like a bro, right. yes. my, I, my new letterbox uh-huh. uh, category. I'm like, bro, you haven't seen that? <laughs> yeah, bro. Totally. You haven't seen Green yeah. Street Hooligans? Bro. This would be a bruv. <laughs> bruv. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, I don't know. Uh, yeah. This is we, this podcast is going to be a couple yanks uh, talking about some soccer. And I'm sorry if that's going to be hard for you to hear a couple of Yanks talking about soccer. Um, but which is similar to what this movie was soccer. going to be titled is the Yank, the Yank, which, yeah. is, a, which is a pretty good title for it. Honestly, I think Green Street Hooligans, if anything, I, I don't remember talking about like so GSE. I don't I, I get that that's the firm. So it makes sense. But was there a Green Street? Was that the street that the bar was? There on? was no emphasis, not enough emphasis on that, I think. <laughs> but I feel like also I, if there was too much emphasis, that could be annoying of like, yeah, we get it. It's, it's Green wait, Street. But there was really like. <laughs> None or just, yeah, right, the street like was just a- all like grass and then there was no sign, but it was just like a grassy street. <laughs> yeah. Or you could you imagine like a button at the end of this movie is like shit happens at green on green street or something like that. Right. Yeah. That would be it's a little green bit street much. town, Jake. <laughs> Forget it. But I don't know. The, the Yank is a pretty good title of well, this. Yeah. And like a uh, different uh, areas, it was released as one of three names. It was really, it was oh, a combination. And that was one of the proposed names, I think, but it was released in three different names. It was released as Green Street Hooligans was one of the names. The other name was Green Street. And the third name was Hooligans. Ooh, so it was all three together. And then it was uh, separate them separately. Yeah. So I've, I'm not sure where each one got got which, but if they, I believe Green Street Hooligans is the American release. I see a lot of posters that just say Green Street. I haven't really seen any that say hooligans, but I saw that on Wikipedia that that was one of the names that it was released under. Um, yeah, but I don't really, yeah, I don't have a history. I've never seen it. Uh, I've heard, yeah, from from people that it's good, uh, probably around like college time uh, and everything, which was, I mean. More high school f- would be when it was getting talked about a little bit, you know. I, towards maybe the, I, like, didn't, I maybe didn't hear about it then, but it was more like people pass around the DVD maybe later on or something. I feel like maybe around the time we were classic. Yes, I, I think so. I mean, at least, yeah, I mean, I feel like if it's, if it's that bill and it's definitely has the audience ownership quality to it where, yeah, I don't know. That's that sort of feel of like not as many people know about it. So you, it was passed around as a DVD is, is kind of my recollection or you watch it like a, you know, mm-hmm, yeah. late night or, or something like that. Yeah, um, for sure. How about you? Is there uh, any fond memories, any coming to this movie in a, in a big way, like remembering like the first time you watched it or anything like that? Yeah, sure. Like I just remember fond memories of, uh, you know, watching this with, I believe Pat Frisky might've shown this. To oh, us. that would be fun, man. Uh, we got to get him uh, on the show sometime. Oh my God. Yeah, for sure. Cause like he was, he, you know, to his credit, I don't know what his movie consumption has been as of late, but Mm -hmm. you know, back in high school, um, 
middle school too a little bit um was really into watching movies like this these uh yes also cody as well because he has an older brother be something that i you know an older brother would show to you or i think a big thing too for this movie is is that since it's got elijah wood in it is that that kind of that visibility of him being in lord of the rings which is just so crucial to growing up for at least as a American male or just, I don't know, just a person in general. <laughs> if you were in your teens in the early two thousands, like you probably saw Lord of the Rings and that's, yeah, how, that's the only reason Woods this, main one of the main reasons this movie got the poll, even the poll that it did get from, from the for audience sure. side, I feel like that was a big part as to why, like, I feel like it brought a lot of people in. Yeah, because I, I think the cell it's following right, is, right after like Return of the it's, oh, I don't know is this his movie right after Lord of the Rings isn't it I th- I yeah I want to say it is there might have been now I want it we don't have to look it up but yeah it's obviously if not right after it's the second you know mm-hmm. it's so close after and um, yeah so the exposure you know of Elijah Wood and Lord of the Rings you just want to consume as much. Uh, content surrounding all of those people, you know, really, you know, we just went through a whole series on doing Pirates of the Caribbean. And I mean, I think a lot of uh, Orlando Bloom being in that has to do with, you know, success of Lord of the Rings and overall the interest in seeing that movie particularly, because I think as a teenager, there might have been a little bit of a and I don't know how much we talked about this during that series, but like. A movie by Disney based on a ride when you're a teenager might have not been like a huge selling point. Mm-hmm. But if you were like, oh, Orlando Bloom's in it, yeah. then you're like, oh, OK, I love Legolas because, you know, uh, he was I think if you were to say. Like. The characters that were most hailed as being like your favorite or what have you of Lord of the Rings. I think Legolas is up at the top. Is it not? I mean, maybe you would put Gandalf at the top. Oh dude, in terms of style, I think I was a big, big Legolas head and those kind of movies were just such great PG 13 movies that weren't superhero movies that like at this time, I think a lot of the, you know, prominent, I don't know, action PG 13 movies. If they're released to theaters. Yeah. Maybe that's a broad claim, but I, I, I feel like as a, maybe I'm just more speaking to specifically at that time, being a teenager, those were our big movies was yeah. Like Lord sure. of the Rings and then pirates was a way for us to see an action, you know, fantasy sort of movie and still have it be signed off of approval from, you know, at least my, my parents were a little bit more strict on my parents, me- for sure. media consumption and everything like that. So it was like a way into um, some of the stuff that, uh, could yeah you know you're you're curious about and then sure, i'm yeah. looking at yeah i'm looking at just referring to our prior curiosity was elijah wood follows return of the king with eternal sunshine of the spotless mouth oh, and he's right. such a weird fucking character in that and he's uh-huh. like a real fucking pervert um when is sin city too uh, yeah and that's what yeah sin, but sin city also. it's sin city and green street hooligans 2005 as well as everything is illuminated all 2005. Oh, that's a interesting Isn't that fascinating? Fascinating. You just like really yeah. like does what he wants and like artsy stuff. And, you know, he does happy feet. Um, was it, how do you, I don't know how, I'm not, my French is terrible, but Paris J. Te- 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 you know, Paris, I love you. 
Um, oh yeah, which is a great movie. And his short, and I really like his short. It's like the the vampire one. Mm-hmm, um, yeah, there's not much spoken, but very. I think Sin it's like West Craven. Like, West Craven yeah. likes it. I think that one. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong. Yeah, very stylized, almost comes off visually like a comic book. Yeah, very interesting movie. And, he, and then he does like video games like Spyro, you know, and cartoons like American Dad and um uh that all like King, me- King of the Hill and it just like it speaks to somebody who's yeah, I don't know, maybe he's just has the ability to do what he wants and it's really cool to see him work in these areas after something so big where it seems like he would be having fun in all of this stuff and he's still get getting work. And then what it leads to, you know, later on, I think is he's, yeah, he really starts to produce and make his own stuff. I think he has his own production company that makes like, I think he mm-hmm. likes horror movies. Um, yeah. Oh, he even did psychonauts too, Brandon. He, you're playing that game or he's, yeah, or he's, he's a voice. Is, he's a voice in that. He's who is uh, he? Nick John Smith. No fucking way. Yeah. Wow. Nick John Smith is such a like non character. Really? Oh my God. That's See, he so must just funny. like, he's like, it seems like he reaches out to people. He's like, can I be involved in that? <laughs> and even something well, is, kinda, yeah. I've mentioned the hot ones interview to you before. It's like the, this show hot ones were hot, hot wings. Everybody with, knows hot wings <laughs> with even hotter questions. questions yeah. Uh, but he's on it and he is a delight all the way through. He like is, a, he signs on to the process of that interview and he, and he embraces it fully. He seems like a true fan of hot ones itself. And it's so, I don't know. He just seems like such a sincere kind of person that is within whatever interviews and, and stuff I've seen just, yeah, like kind of like, a warm presence where he seems like he listens and gives good eye contact, like stuff like that. And he seems very polite and kind, like just, <laughs> yeah, kinda, you know, like, yeah, like a, a nice dude. And, um, but that, yeah, like, I guess we're just kind of riffing on Elijah Wood. Like I liked Wilfred a lot, you know, there's Wilfred's great. Yeah. Is there, is there anything else you want to offer about Elijah Wood? Like Lord of the Rings is like a monumental thing for yeah, us. It like it is just fucking huge. Like, it's almost yeah. like we're just not even talking about it. Cause it's just like a given. Kind of, we, we've mentioned right. it a little bit, but it's like, yeah. come on. You get it. Well, Frodo Baggins of Lord of the Rings. And those baby blues. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, absolutely. He's, got, he's like rivaling Daniel Craig for those baby blues, kind of. I don't know. Uh-huh. Yeah, and he also has the, uh, to the point of like eye contact because he just seems so present and looking at you. And it really like also accentuates the his eyes as well because they just, yeah. Like I have a, not an issue. It's. I would say, but like for me personally, I have very squinty eyes, almost like the spoon man. Or but you got Slice those baby one. blues as well. You got, you got pretty blue eyes. I got, uh, thank you. But I, I, I suffer or have just been born with a, a classic Mr. Slice of <laughs> physiology <laughs> of like, I'm always seemingly squinting. So it's not, I got uh, these. Not, wonder, not that level to Mr. Slice. <laughs> I don't think so. But Thank you. All right. well, I appreciate that. But I, I do know that I have a, a somewhat almond shaped eyes. I think it was oh, one okay. girl described them, but well, that's um, good to know for sunglasses. Dude, sunglasses is a huge deal because another Mr. Slice comparison that I body wise that I have is that enormous head, <laughs> gigantic head, <laughs> noggin. And so getting sunglasses, it can be tough. <laughs> I got a big noggin, too. So hats can be a problem. I don't know. what I don't know if it's circumference or if it goes up too much. I, I don't know. It's just like it's hard for me to find hats right. that like 
that fit right. There's ones where it's like, oh, I'll do the loosest thing. And it's like, no, this is, this is not happening. I need a right. men's big and big and tall and also uh, big old hats. Do <laughs> you think, you think big, and t- big and tall has like big hats too? <laughs> I don't. I actually went into a men's big and tall and it just bummed me out because they just like, uh, like, uh, what is it? It's called. Um, it's not just called big and tall. It's like called xl something or big and sexy. whatever big and sexy yeah absolutely <laughs> big sexy but man just big sexy with they, glasses they just got the most boring ass shit i'm sorry yeah i figured you know mm-hmm. want a little pizzazz but anyway <laughs> physiology um elijah being into all size that can just but emanate through all to, all clothing to bring it back so i mean to start this movie starts off with um elijah wood uh, is going through some shit um yeah i guess i was gonna ask you too about how you feel about his performance overall but i think maybe we could just kind of get into moments and then we can talk about that in our summation because uh, you know something that's interesting that i'll bring up now is is that they you know originally wanted um the director originally wanted jake gyllenhaal in this which i like elijah wood but i think gyllenhaal would have been better I'm a huge Jill and all head. You, you just told me that you watched prisoners recently, which mm-hmm. I, I think, I think that one's a bit better than Zodiac maybe, but they're also very similar Nightcrawler, right. Nightcrawler. How can you be? And then he's also an enemy. Another, another one of that same director's movies, Denis. And, uh, I, I would have to agree with you. Like I love Elijah Wood. As I said, as a person, uh, you know, in terms of performances, he fits a certain sort of style, I think. And there's aspects of this character that, that fit him in terms, you know, in terms of like, I'm thinking the whole time it's like, Oh, how is he going to really beat anyone up? <laughs> and then the like, and then people call him out on that and it's like, Oh, okay. I guess everyone's kind of on the same page. But then when he actually does it, it's like, I still don't believe it. Uh, but there's something about Jill hall where he's got those eyes and that kind of edge of like, I mean, Elijah Wood has some edge, but it's a little bit no, more, I, I it's a little bit mean. more like yeah. introverted. Like Gyllenhaal can be like sure. more like in your face, I think. And I also think he can just snap. It's like Don, even at Donnie Darko time, which was at around Gyllen, the Gyllenhaal time. Yeah. I think, sure. I think that would have worked great. Absolutely. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree because like I, the stuff that works for Elijah Wood is his inability to like, or the strife and struggle he has to, ingratiate himself into the into the firm and into the gse like that stuff um you know it it does make sense that he is scared concerned out of place all of those things work well for him but it is difficult like as the movie progresses and he becomes into his own more that I still am not fully on board how much he can stand up on his own. I do think it maybe lends itself to be a little bit more endearing that he's, you know, a part of the ethos and what this movie resolves into is him sticking up for himself and his friends. And I think there is a bigger 
hurdle or more progress that can come out of Elijah Wood because he's just, yeah, like we were watching that interview and I think the interviewer even mentioned it is like Elijah Wood just has this look about him that he kind of has this like smartest person in the room energy Mm -hmm. and he just, he's very sensitive and considerate, but he just is such, he just gives off so much smart, um, Mm -hmm. you know, energy about him. Um, and which works because he's a Harvard because that's the thing, I guess, with Gyllenhaal that might have been a little bit tough. Is like, could you picture him as a Harvard journalism major? Not, not as much as Elijah would in that, but the other stuff that he has to work through, especially since this movie is so incredibly physical. I think Gyllenhaal handles physicality way better than Elijah Wood does. Yes, a- absolutely. Yeah. 100 percent and it's like they both kind of almost could perform like a holden caulfield sort of character mm-hmm. possibly or like it, it, it emote that kind of performance yeah. i think and um so yeah as far as performances go and cast uh i think that would be an interesting switcheroo uh f- yeah. from you know the next next person i guess i would bring up would be charlie hunnam which i'm not f- super familiar with i i like i've Right. Been on the peri- on oh on the periphery on the periphery <laughs> like I would you know I know of him you know like but I've never watched like what is this Sons of Anarchy Sons of Anarchy I've never watched it either but yeah. uh, I've seen the him and the gentleman which was really good okay and then Pacific Rim were would be the two that I've seen him from and probably mm-hmm. pretty similar to you yep because you've, oh, seen, you've I've, seen those I've, the- I've seen Pacific Rim yes I'm taking another look oh Lost City of Z okay. Yeah, I never saw that because I was at the point where that came out. I was so fatigued on zombie stuff where I'm like, I don't need to because I think Lost City of Z has to do with zombies. Oh, okay. to some no, I'm thinking of a different one. I was thinking of that. I was like, oh, is, is that the Sandra Bullock Channing Tatum one? But that's called. Oh, no, else. no, no. Yeah, that's like. Date adventure or something. <laughs> 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 you know, I want like I threw that on the background. It went all the way through, but I didn't fully pay pay attention attention. it was like it was fine it was a fine like background sort of sort of movie but yeah cold mountains green street hooligans children of men the ledge is that the one where he's on a ledge (laughs) (laughs) yeah that sounds right (laughs) sorry isn't it like the phone booth where colin farrell's in the phone booth the whole time but like isn't like sam worthington's on like the ledge the whole time i'd do like a oh no never mind i'm thinking of something else oh this is Oh, maybe this is different. That's so funny. No, I think I think that's something. This is a different movie, but I know. Oh yeah, there was that kind of <laughs> period of time. I don't know. Was that that I was like, oh, let's put him in one location the whole time, and see uh-huh, and see a right. great performance. That does work if you got. I saw Tom Hardy in. I forget the name of it. I'm bad with names right now, but he's just in a car the whole time on phone calls, and it's that's the whole movie, and it's actually pretty good because <laughs> Tom Hardy nice. is such a great performer um but yeah speaking of which though he was also wanted to be the charlie hunnam character wow so you could have a gyllenhaal hardy thing i mean that's that's cool and i love i love me some tom hardy and if i had push comes to shove i guess i would choose him but in no way am i would i downplay hunnam's performance because i think it's really not at all yeah i think it's it's, it's really great 
it's really spectacular. Fucking pops, dude. It, pops. it fits this movie so incredibly well. It makes sense why the director of or showrunner creator or whatever of Sons of Anarchy uh, mentioned he saw Hunnam's performance in this and is like, I got to get that guy. Because, yeah, he it's interesting, too, because he just lives the performance more than you like give him credit or could give him credit for because I, you know, again, we were watching an interview with him before we started this and he doesn't walk like he does in the film. He doesn't Mm. emote like he does in the movie. And that is so much of what he's bringing to it as opposed to, because it could very easily be, and I don't know, maybe Tom Hardy would have done this is that it would have just been like Tom Hardy in that role, as opposed to like what Tom Hardy thinks that person it like walks, talks, acts like. And I think Hunnam is doing weight, uh, doing a lot of work where his body language, uh, so much of this movie, I would herald as like the body language and the physical interactions that people have during conversations is really somewhat electric because everybody has these weird things that they do with their hands or like the way they're sitting the way that they're like you know hitting each other like camaraderie stuff that is really pretty wonderful and adds a lot of kinetic energy to the movie that gets you in like yeah these guys are like palling around and just you know drinking and hanging out and that's such um, a great point because group dynamics in a scene are so difficult to make seem real and uh to be able to have that camaraderie and for when the you know, the cameras do start rolling to know that there's going to be a tableau of life within the shot mm-hmm. is, is very mm-hmm. difficult to just to, to flick on. And yeah, I think the, all the pub scenes really like are so effective and a lot and a lot. <laughs> sure. I'll speak generally about this movie are effective in mood, setting mood and tone. And Charlie Hunnam is a is a big part of that as well, because he's kind of like the guide to Elijah Wood being the audience surrogate to this world and us being a couple yanks ourselves, ourselves, you know, it's, it is uh, a guide and, you know, he is such a perfect guide into it. And as far as everyone's roles as well, they are played so perfectly and you learn (laughs) so much about them in such a short amount of time but I don't think it's ever overdone. And I also think there even the people that are, would be quote unquote bad or whatever are given a lot of humanity and empathy, even somebody who you would should hate the most, you know, the guy who does a fucking like, bottle stab. It's like he, and, and kills fucking Charlie Hunnam's. So I'm just jumping to the end. It's like they give even him his, you know, he made, he made him, you know, his son died. So it's like, there at least is some sort of place that he is coming from, you know, and in no way do I defend his actions or anything, but people have their reasons. And I think that's just great writing. And, uh, also all the performances, you know, it's like you mentioned Elijah Wood and there's moments where it's not fully believable. You can tell that he's fully committed and, and I appreciate that. But the, when somebody like Charlie Hunnam's physicality is so, perfect and all the other guys seem so real and and everything and i don't know i guess it just caters to him being a yank that doesn't know anything about this sort of stuff but i think we've mentioned already that somebody who would maybe would have been more believable as a 
has some sort of like, oh, he has potential at least as a fighter. Not like, I just don't, yeah, I don't, this guy's going to get fucking murdered on the first. Beat up yeah. all the time. Yeah. yeah like there's, really. He's not, he's not going to, who's he going to size up against, you know? Uh, sure. But I, yeah. I will say that the movie then allow like that is yeah that is somewhat of a shortcoming by the casting of elijah wood but i think the movie then compensates for that by what it's like what its pros are by talking about you know it's really more so is it isn't so much about winning or it's like the firm isn't you're not like mm-hmm. the goal of the firm isn't to like conquer land or to really be all that physical. It's about to make like noticeable actions mm-hmm. that people talk about. Reputation. So it's like yeah. reputation. And so him, Elijah Wood coming into a, like sticking up for himself, but more importantly, like Focusing not so much about sticking up for himself, but the entrances just backing up the people around you. Mm-hmm. I think it really, yeah, I think it lends itself for that shortcoming of Elijah Wood being not as physical because mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily, he doesn't have to be the best fighter, I guess is what I'm getting at. Right. It's more so about him personally being more convicted in his pursuit of standing up for himself by standing up for the for other people mm-hmm. and you know to yeah yeah that's what i would say and he naturally it. becomes a better fighter but he's not the one that's going to take down you know he's like oh i'm the you know i'm the best and i'm going to take down the big bad guy sure. at, the, at, at the end or something um and he is more put in a position where he is able to prove himself through his wits which is he's a he's a harvard boy you know and he's a smart guy and so he's able to like hey let's you know bribe this truck driver to for us to sneak uh-huh. and i was like oh they're gonna go past into the game no we're gonna stop right behind them and then we're gonna get out and throw a sign at them <laughs> i made that note too okay so we like, can oh, start getting you can, yeah we should i mean we should definitely start we, going we, going through some yeah, stuff we but, can go but, through it because there, i there's, think there's yeah Definitely. That is a great example to bring up about the movie's honest, like critiques and shortcomings is, is that I think situations and plotting are a a little rough, you know, around the edges, because, yeah, to to your point there, it's like. Well, they went through all this trouble to not like go to that station to be in that confrontation but then they just drive themselves <laughs> to the confrontation and get into it anyway i'm like at that point then why did you need to get off early like you should have just like rode it in and fucking you know i don't know started fighting them but anyways um it was all about just getting that, that you got a flank you gotta get that flanking flanking I, maneuver right. in. catch him off guard you mm-hmm. know get get the upper hand but um well if you, you have, know if you want to talk about like the opening and, and just uh sure kind of work, work I, yeah. some of the big strokes i mean there's you get introduced to charlie hunnam first and then elijah with the charlie hunnam thing right and it's like the you kind of get an introduction into a fight that that would happen right yeah the movie and starts off pretty electric pretty heated the song i will also if we can talk or i guess that comes after this but uh the song that starts playing is down with the sickness right and they doesn't fully play. They don't do it like only, the most like popular part popular of Down with the Sickness, which which blew my mind. I was like <laughs> waiting for it. I was like, and then I was like, oh, it's gonna come back later. And I was like, oh, they really just wanted that 
And then I was like, I was like in my in my room just being like, oh no, okay, I guess we're not gonna do it. Oh, I guess we're not doing it. Okay, and we're you know, it's like a DJ that would build that up the whole time, and then right when he's about to, right when he or she is about to drop it, he they is about to drop it, and everyone's like, yeah, and they're like, ah, nope, makes it to a different song. It, it, yeah it just makes me curious about is that like a rights thing like are you were they allowed to pay less or to just use it in general i would feel like disturbed would be totally into this movie if somebody were to come to them and be like we're gonna do this you know movie and this is what it's about and they'd be like hell yeah let's During do a it fight? hell yeah well i was gonna right. say I, maybe it has something to do with do with this i don't know if he like actually edited or what his involvement was exactly but Someone that you and me saw in person one time when we were out at a music festival together. Speaking of music festivals earlier, the music supervisor on this movie, I don't know if you saw, is Jason Bentley. Oh, my God. From KCRW. And we went to this festival in L.A. called All My Friends. And he DJed there. And we were walking around checking stuff out. And I see this guy in this cool jacket. And... I'm like, that guy, oh, it's Jason Bentley. And we just kind of kept seeing him as we walked around throughout the night. And I was just like, oh, it's, it's Jason Bentley. Oh, look, there he is. He's got this cool jacket. <laughs> uh, but I, yeah, I thought that was that was so. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he and so he's like, no, we're going to we're going to be really purposeful and, and splice it in this in this way that I want anticipation of what people think is going to happen. But pull it away. I don't know um right interesting credit but then it switches over to elijah wood's story i don't know if it does the roommate thing first or he starts with the narration narration okay yeah it does the so they both get they both kind of get their own cold open yeah. yeah Yeah, both of them get a cold open, which is really from a yeah structure standpoint, wonderful because it mm-hmm. sets the movie off very energetic. It's people screaming at each other, which results in a fight really gets you, you know, on the ground floor into the movie. Pretty wonderful. Yeah, it was weird. I even put a question mark in my notes of like down with the sickness because it never fully materializes all the way. But yeah, we get to meet uh, Matt Buckner. Um <laughs> in his dorm room and he is well first he's getting escorted out of the oh yeah like uh, out of the like publication on campus and so we're just like you know getting introduced very of its time and it's in the color correcting color mm-hmm, correction mm-hmm. the what what people are wearing um i there was a t- i want to say there was a song uh potentially or like some type of background music that was lightly added in mm-hmm. and yeah we just see uh matt get walked out so obviously something's up walks into the room his roommate is there cutting deals he's on the phone uh selling somebody like he's a bookie right it's fantasy football he's just like but he's, treat, he's treating it yeah like a coke fiend would just like it's he's like smoking cigarettes in the dorm room <laughs> on the phone being like you you know this team's gonna win and just jeremy it's, it's like based Holden. off like one of trump's kids or something i don't know exactly exactly <laughs> just this perfectly quaffed hair white guy with a big chin and then uh yeah uh, elijah wood matt buckner come in he is very upset about him we uh, he's still on the phone and then just tosses the huge fucking wad of there was like ten thousand ten thousand dollars yeah a, a lot of fucking money for 2005 Holy i must shit. do a lot of coke i don't know he's he's just throwing around ten thousand like, dollars but 
Yeah, I don't. I don't think he, he's a coke dealer. I think he's a. I think he's no, a bookie. No, 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 no. But he does a lot of coke, and he has right? a lot of money. Yeah. Or daddy does. Um, daddy does. Yeah, for sure. It. I like how this movie disseminates information. Mm. Like, th- I don't know. Maybe this could be a criticism. Is like, oh, you don't know what really like they don't really tell you exactly what happened but you get an idea and the and the you know they just kind of allude he's like oh ten thousand dollars he throws the money away and so hasn't said what that is but he drops him he's he's leaving has all this shit in his box and it's all visual storytelling you get an idea of like who these who these people are you can tell he's he's like trying to bribe him and it doesn't even does it really even mention the the blow or the cocaine yet no, or anything and not not in that because which and I agree with you because those two characters know the situation so it isn't going to be like one of them says oh this is what happened because both of them in that situation know so really right. it's more so right. Matt being upset being like I'm getting kicked out fuck you but since we're going to see a character progression, he's so, you know, um, non-confrontational, uh, pretty like, yeah, he's getting steamrolled on this mm-hmm. and they are beaten down, um, whatever. And yeah, they're, you're right. They don't specifically say what the issue is there. They don't talk about it. I mean, he's the roommate is on the phone a majority of the time, and it's really just Matt coming in, getting his shit and leaving. And, and then, then he calls his dad at some point, gets the voicemail and gets the voicemail. So he can't even like, talk to him. And then it gets into the you know, the narration from him, which isn't my favorite part of the of VO like, work is of tough, like a yeah. lot a lot of movies or like when it just feels like i don't know after such great visual sort storytelling it goes into this part of opening credits with him like getting his stuff going to an airport and like leaving and everything and it's a, it's yeah, kind of like she's sure. i don't know it's like something that's like i learned a lot at harvard but what i'm about to learn next will be something that i can't learn there mr man i don't know it's like Oh, no, totally. It like gets bogged What does that really add? I don't know. No, it's like that is a moment of it being like pretentious or edgy for the sake of it, because we don't need the VO about him like telling us because then it just kind of posits like so this VO is of a later version of him. And then what is it really setting up like? you don't need to tell the audience that things are going to happen. We're in a, we're watching a fucking movie and it just adds like this weird. Yeah. Kind of not per, like kind of pretentious. Um, or, about or, it yeah. Up. Either that or like it's something like where, Oh, the producers are like, Oh, well they don't really know what's going on. Let's give them a little something to kind of bring them in over this. We can't just have music. Let's have them talk over the music, but it's not. Yeah. I say it's not necessary. Cause I think it's a pr- next is like a good way to, release some exposition is with his sister because she herself hasn't talked to him for a long time and asks him those questions, which don't come (laughs) off unnatural because she, the only part that is weird, I guess, is that she didn't know that he was even coming. She's like, like when he first talks to her, this is a question Mm -hmm. that doesn't work as well for she's like, wait, why? She's like, so why are you here? And it's like, oh, he didn't even tell her that he was coming. <laughs> and he just showed up at right. her doorstep and they're going on a walk. 
maybe that's possible like or not possible maybe that's true maybe you just showed up maybe and he, he didn't but i just would have thought that he would give her a heads up maybe he didn't he was just in that in that sort of place but she asks him what happened he tells her about you know the guy his roommate was hiding his drugs his cocaine in elijah wood's closet elijah wood got caught for it elijah wood didn't fight back because she's like pressing on him like did you fight did you fight and he's like these are von trump's or whatever like you can't you can't fight them his his dad's gonna be elected uh re-elected <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, right. oh. Uh, um, it's, it's it's weird that the movie hangs itself on that like hat because it is and so many people ask about it obviously because it does stick out to me a little bit of like yeah you didn't fight it all about it and I, it's not to say that you couldn't write it or the, the movie couldn't have said uh, things in a way that it m- maybe made a stronger point as to why not but it just it it always came off a little bit weird of like, yeah, man, like, mm-hmm. why didn't you do? I don't know. It's a like, little bit of like a contrived plot line, reverse engineered almost. Maybe that's mm-hmm. too harsh, but it's like it, that's his arc. He needs to learn how to fight back. Yeah, and then right. like the yeah. real end of the movie is him like, I'm going to fight. Like, yeah, I'm not going to punch you. I'm not going to fight like that because I don't need to. I've seen where that leads and leads. where that's but I'm going to do it. And I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight in my own way and I'm going to get, get back on, on track and, right. and all that stuff. And it, he doesn't, yeah, we'll get, to, we'll get to the, I guess more of the meanings of it. But I think like that, that at least completes that arc of fighting that back. Um, I think I like, uh, I forget, what is her name? Uh, the person who places uh sister. Claire? I, I have a, I have a, Forlani? yeah, I, Claire Forlani. I, I, I like her cause I like meet Joe black. Um, you know, it's just beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's just, I have a fondness for that. I haven't really seen her in anything else that I can think of besides these two movies now, but I was like, Oh, it's from me, Joe black. And I think, um, yeah, I just like all the performances <laughs> in this movie and I like how it's, how it's casted. I think it's uh, really elevates it and has a lot going for it in, in that sense of it. Um, they meet the brother, uh, Mark Warren as uh, Steve Dunham. Um, there's Steve Dunham. I Pete love Dunham. his performance. Charlie Hunnam is Pete Dunham. Um, <laughs> they changed the H, yeah. changed the H to the D for, for him, which is which is great. They're like, oh, that's what we got to hire him. Um, I like him a lot too. The brother is everyone's got a story, man. I love like everyone like and his character like they're all like have nuance to him to them and everything. And I like how we start to find out more about him later on in the movie. Um, but he also performs it well. Uh, he sends uh, Elijah Wood off, off with his brother. Um, who's Charlie Dunham, Steve Dunham. Sorry. I got, I'm gonna mess it up. Pete Dunham and Steve Dunham. Um, send their brothers. Youngest is played by Charlie Hunnam. Charlie Hunnam and Elijah Wood go off to soccer together to some football gets paid off by the older brother to do so to like show him just like keep him occupied, kind of babysit him a bit. 
Um, so, yeah, I just want to call out like that intro to the brother-in-law is wonderful for me because he command like I don't know he ha- he has so much confidence in the scene of like he walks in like picks his wife up kisses her goes to the child oh your brother's here you can tell like he didn't really he obviously didn't know he was coming and then like really speaks to him on his level there isn't there there isn't this I don't know. It kind of brings you into what Pete Dunham and that Britishness, uh, like, I don't know this, the type of family that they are, where they speak so plainly and so directly Mm -hmm. that I really enjoyed because it just made me, you know, it, it spoke to why Pete Dunham is the way that he is and also brings you into almost this like British culture, in my opinion, of he just he talks to him like he's a regular bloke and (laughs) says like, hey, I I have these tickets for, you know, for your sister. I've been planning this thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to hang out with you, but we're doing this thing. Is that okay with you? And really, it speaks to a man to man. And I just I don't know. I picked up on that and really enjoyed that performance in that in those moments or in that scene, because, yeah, I, I don't know. I think there is a way for him to come off. And I, and I think that would happen in an American film where he would be a little bit more like padded gloves or it would be a little bit more cordial and it would be, yeah, I think maybe performative to a degree mm-hmm. of like, Oh, I'm so glad you're here. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah. He could be like overly kinda, stereotypical British and being like, so what's it like in America and all that, or that sort of thing. But instead of it's like, it's subtle and he's actually, he has a passive, almost aggressive moment too, which has, has like a payoff in terms of character as well, where he's like, Oh, you finally made it out. And then uh-huh. you know, he comes back later when his sister is, is like, you didn't even come to my wedding. You haven't even seen the baby yet. And so it's like, there's these seeds that are planted and there's dynamics totally. of the relationship that are not in your face, but are just like handled in such a delicate sort of way. I think. And yeah, I mean, we haven't even mentioned the director, but I think the the directing in this movie is there's it's, it's, it's pointed with, the character moments really really well i i don't know and and oh no yeah you're you're so right where it's like and then another thing that i feel like would be in the american movie or would be in like i don't know just the more like cheesy kind of generic version of this would be uh he would have a love interest right there would be this dark right and it was a playing home i was like oh yeah there aren't any scenes of him like meeting this girl at the bar or it's, you know, this was what it was. It was like in an American movie or some other version of this, it would be Charlie Hunnam, Beat Dunham's sister. And it'd be like, oh, you fell in love. There's, oh, that's the forbidden. You're not, you can't do that. And he's like, oh, sure. and then they get in a fight about that or something. It's just like, there's, I just, that removed just got more into like, I don't know. Elijah Wood is the main character a, apart from romance. It's more his psyche and what he's going through. And I, I'm glad the focus was on that and the, the relation, the male relationships, you know? Yeah. And I think you bring it up to uh, the director and who's also the writer of this, like focus. Yeah. I think if this was written by a man, it would do that. It would be a point I would make or, you know, about that is he or she, the writer, the director, 
writes the relationship between the sister and the brother-in-law very well, because especially what happens in the choices the sister makes Mm -hmm. is really good. Yeah. Like her conviction to this and her no nonsense about it. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I don't, there isn't, she doesn't flounder. She doesn't like concede. She clearly says what she wants. And if it, if things go outside of bounds there, then Mm -hmm. she makes those calls of like, well, then this has to happen. It's so Mm -hmm. like I'm placing the rules in front of you. And if you fuck these rules up, then this is what's going to happen. And I'm going to stick to that. Mm -hmm. There isn't like a moment where the sister is really like flip flopping on what's going on. Mm -hmm. It just, it's always, she's just so frustrated. Like, I told you this is going to happen if you do this. Mm -hmm. And it just moves through that. And, um, and her, her standing within the relationship with her and her husband, I also liked a lot because he is confronted with rejoining. You find out that he was the prior leader and he's, you know, confronted with rejoining and the respect that he has for his, his relationship and his family of like, I walked away from this. I'm not going back into I'm not coming back and I that also I don't know it's it spoke to the respect to her character as well within the language of the movie not only is that character talking about her but just how the movie itself felt about her and also Elijah Woods you know relationship with her was was expressed well too um yeah let's uh What's what's next after um, the I guess it's the whole first trip to the uh, the soccer game, football, mm-hmm. soccer. Yeah. Um, you know, he they have their you call that a fight scene and, you know, where he's like, give me half of the money. I don't want to take you. But then he kind of switches and then decides to bring him anyways because he might learn a thing or two, I think is what he says. He dodges the question about being a journo because this is where he mentions that he fucking hates journalists. He hates fucking fucking journos. And I got to tell you, Brandon, as a yank who studied journalism in college and majored in journalism in in college, I felt scared. I felt scared (laughs) if I were to go over into a British pub and so, and it leaked out that I was a yank journo, Brandon, I would be in trouble. I'm not sure if I should, if I should go, go. I mean, I've been to London once, but geez, I don't know if I should ever, I should ever go back. I might be in trouble. They think I'm a muckraker. Right. We do get a moment too, after the uh, soccer game that they go to where they're going to get breakfast, where they're, it's like um, a foods cart or stall. And it's just cooking up fucking sausages and eggs and they're getting there. And that's what, you know, it, uh, Oh, like the English Pete, breakfast. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Um, but Pete, you know, picks up the morning paper and is like, you know, what was it? It's like, they go to the game, which I don't know, like to mention the game. I it's, it's, it was interesting that they had to like, they make a point of that the the most most watched country, the way that they go in. Well, first off, I guess you know we do get a the bar scene first. I just yeah, it is. 
yeah it's really wonderful that it, you get the like I, uh, yeah the ritual of it and getting brought into that because that that is so wonderful for the movie to do to have that where you and it moves quickly to get us there of let's bring you know let's bring matt into this world and you have like first off the brother-in-law gives you know matt the money then uh pete like accosts him and being like you're not fucking going with me give me the money go back you know home do whatever and they get in that fight where <laughs> matt tries to kick him and he just grabs his leg and then he's just like hopping around <laughs> on one leg and falls over meets all of the boys so like let's just if we could just talk about the boys real quick um i mean the one to really call out right is and for the for even up and honestly until this pod like i thought the guy's name was bob <laughs> i know that's what i thought the whole movie too and then i like looked up on imdb and i think there's a couple times they like say his full name is bobber and i was like bob i thought is it bobber you're saying bobber <laughs> i was like yeah no bob yeah, and now would be a good time too to mention that this movie weirdly isn't on Amazon or any streaming services. That's, that's a whole thing too. And I tried to do a little research as to why that is. And I could not find a straight answer as to why distribution of this movie is like non-existent, not on mm -hmm. any streaming services. DVDs are like not in, like, I don't know. It's just, there's no blue or anything. It's just, it's just like whatever. Cause it was just only the first run of production of like the DVDs. I don't think there's a Blu-ray. So whatever were made, those are the only ones that exist. So it's, it's interesting that like, yeah, there's like a like limited amount of supply for this. We watched it for free on YouTube and you know, something that I like to do even with movies that I should be able to understand and are in uh, America, you know, American, yeah. the, the state's accent is I'll put on oh. subtitles. I put on subtitles for this and it's like all the auto generated stuff. And it was just like and it sucks, wrong yeah. on everything. So I had to turn it off. So there's just like parts of this movie where I'm like, I'm not <laughs> sure what they said there, but you know, I rewind on, on some stuff and I'm like, I'm not getting it. Like even he was trying to explain in that scene, like he was saying like different uh, terms for like shit and what honey and is money and why that is. And, like that why those terms are what they are and i'm mm -hmm. like i'm not mm -hmm. kidding i can't tom or something i don't know and right. uh and then they just go into loud pub and they're all just yeah and just like yelling and just like <laughs> give me another one. <laughs> and then uh oh, who's and who's the one guy that's in a uh, rafe spall he's he's uh you know pretty pretty great actor uh in mm -hmm. like a bunch of bunch of other you know, more modern things too. Um, I don't, I don't have to go through it all, but you know, you mentioned Bob in terms of like his character. I don't know the actor too well, but he's like a key piece and another person I, I know, like, and I, you, you mentioned um, the director. And I think I also agree the fact that it, um, she is a woman that directed this. It's like, it's more uh, about the humanity and the nuance of the mm -hmm. characters. And even someone like Bob, has just so many ups and downs of his character and he never is like cast in a very flat way where he's just like there wouldn't yeah and like in another version of this movie they wouldn't have time to have the back and forth to be like no he's a betrayer and he's bad and, he's, and he, that would be it and he would switch sides and go to another he'd be like oh, i'm rooting for this uh club now or something like that but no he's like complicated like so these characters are more complicated than that 
And there's like this internal dialogue that you don't fully understand, but is alluded to in like an artistic sort of way. And I think he, he's just one of my favorite characters. Like I, I, I know like in terms of performances and everything, everyone is, is just awesome. But in terms of like care, I, I really liked his character and his rises and falls. Like he is like playing with the devil halfway through the movie. He's like not fully committed, but he's like tempted and he's questioning. And it's like, you're kind of questioning what he's doing, but I, you also get the sense that he's uneasy and he's unsure about what he's doing as well. And even when he does make the fateful mistake that leads, you know, to some, some fucked up shit, you know, he feels bad about it. And that's such a more interesting reaction than like, oh yeah, he's going to be bad and he's going to feel good. He's like, yeah, I got him <laughs> to show up at the pub and now I don't like you guys anymore. He's like, no, not like this. Fuck. And he's like, oh, I got to make up for this. Like, it's just int- way more interesting character moments, a place from love. Like these, when these characters are coming from a place of love and even the bad guy is like, I'm going to avenge my dead son. And in a way that's from a place of like distorted love, you know, like a vengeance for a loved one and just way more interesting character decisions are, are made by the, by these people. Um, And then there's like, as far as the group goes, there's the one guy that's like really nice. He's just like always, he's just like, Hey, what's up, man? Like, you know, he's just always like kind of like is a pilot. Um, Dave, I think is his name. Okay. Dave. Yeah. I liked, he just had a very nice, affable sort of way about him and, well, you know. I, we should say like there so uh pete tells all of his buddies that uh matt is a black belt in karate yeah <laughs> man and that, and that i'd be movie so pissed karate. if i was elijah wood i'd be like oh dude you could have picked anything that's what you picked. karate kid is based off of his life <laughs> And then he gets like this whole very drunk conversation about Mr. Miyagi with Rafe Rafe Spall. Right. Gets racist at one point, you know. Rafe is like grilling him too. He's like, (laughs) you're telling, what is, what's your mentor's name? (laughs) You're telling me you can't tell me your mentor's name? So you weren't in the third one or the fourth one. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then we have to, that uh, that i'll say is like we go through this weird like really step by step of like elijah wood being like who is that guy and we get these shots yeah. of like, oh, it who seemed is improvised i don't know <laughs> it seems so improvised because it just seemed like, like they just like put themselves in a pub grabbed a bunch of brits that were already in there and they're like just start singing songs like sing the wet like we're in a west right. Ham, like start singing west Ham whatever songs and um yeah, the great background noise again. Group di- group work was just like natural, like it was already happening regardless of them. Um, and then they go, yeah, they go to the game, and you get, you know, this is like you're you start to see how action is shot, and in this game, you know, uh-huh. it's it's only the it's the only sh- shot of, and this isn't like criticism necessarily or anything. Uh, of soccer in this movie because it's not it's not like full it's not really about soccer fully or about football you know it's like but you get this one one uh, version of the game it's almost just like what he thinks it's about it's like oh these guys like soccer okay that's what this is about but then after the game you know he uh they go their separate ways because they're going to go even during the the game i will just say oh yeah bobber it makes a real yeah bauer bauer bob 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 yeah, even during Don't the game. Don't make me get into my Ray Windstoning. No Windstoning. Um, 
yeah, spends the game putting on a uh, security guard costume going in onto the other side of the uh, the pitch. Um, nice, nice. To, <laughs> thank you. And uh, yeah, to like just go. Was him dressing as a security guard? Fucking yeah, so mad at us. <laughs> and yeah, it's a great character word because again, it's like that's what Bob's all about is that he is a you know, because I I don't know if necessarily it sets it up before this of like what a firm is, what it means, like what is what is all of this mean? You know, what where do we fit in the yeah. in context somewhere um, around there? And you know, anybody listening who hasn't seen this and gives a shit is like so green street hooligans or gse in this so it's like green street elite elite okay thank you that could have been the name of the movie too <laughs> yeah but sure. like and so it's a, there's it's a fictional uh firm as well it's a fictional firm but firms existed or exist is and it was complicated i feel like when i first saw it but on upon this rewatching, i it made more sense is that you have football teams and then there are fan collectives mm-hmm. called firms mm-hmm. that are hardcore fans of a football team mm-hmm. and their whole thing is we are trying to be the biggest and loudest firm so that people when they think of the football team they're like oh they got this really hardcore firm that you don't want to fuck with Mm -hmm. and uh, pete dunham makes the point of like arsenal is a top tier football team but shit firm Mm -hmm. and then then he makes a point of like their rivals of like it's a shit football team and a shit firm Mm -hmm. or whatever yeah and really interesting though because yeah like it's just hardcore fandom it isn't mm-hmm. like they're doing like peddling drugs or like a gang in that sense of they're making you know it's kind of like this insular thing of like here's all these um <laughs> scallions is what i want to say here's a bunch of like, <laughs> you know kind of um underprivileged people you know, I, I know this is putting gangs simply, but like underprivileged or wrong side of the tracks, people uh, collectively working together to like make a living for themselves or like a make a path and way for themselves. This is really just more so like because all of the people in the firm have like there's pilots, there's uh, I don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. Bob is like a it seems like a telemarketer and they all have like these different jobs and whatever. And this uh, brother in law works for I don't know. One of them also works. That for probably reminds agency. me of like Fight Club too, and all the people in the Fight Club. It shows Absolutely. them like their actual jobs and stuff. Yeah, totally. So it's more so right and very Fight Clubby, where it isn't about them. It isn't a gang in the sense of we don't have. There's no other opportunities for us other than making this gang like financially profitable and kind of working towards that. It's really more so just like an outlet to like beat the shit out of people <laughs> and like to and you know for some create, of them yeah create this notoriety because i mean yes bob it's much more his identity to be the best at this because again he's like a telemarketer and you get the sense that he's 
he doesn't have a really a family at all. And that's why I think where uh, Tommy Hatcher comes in is like there's this weird. Kind of reach, you know, he reaches out to him. And this is something I didn't quite understand of like where like how the betrayal and the uh, uh, him going to Tommy. I didn't quite get that because in my mind, and I would love to hear your opinion on like why this is potentially wrong is that, uh, like my understanding of it is, is that Tom or Bob is just concerned that his leader is unfocused. So then he goes to Tommy to like, I don't know, maybe like light a fire under his ass or like kind of stir things up so that maybe Pete rises to it. I just didn't quite get what Bob's, you know, cause he's such a, when he like, like goes to meet uh, Tommy the first time uh, and talks to yeah. and continues to meet with Tommy, mm-hmm. like, because Tommy Hatcher is because uh, I, a major of another firm, mm-hmm. the, like their rival firm. And so I didn't quite understand why because he would eat. He yeah. hates outsiders is how I looked at it. He he just, he hates outsiders and a Yank journo. I maybe, I'm not sure he didn't know he was a journal at that time yet, journal, but just a, yeah. a Yank at that time. He's looking at that as a threat to the whole system, to, to everything. Like he's like, you know, right. Like best. I, I like my, that's just like there. This is our true enemy in, in a sense. He doesn't like out and out say that. But I feel like, you know, when he does find out he's he's a journo, that's that second meeting where he goes straight to him and he's mm-hmm. like, there's a journo here. This is a threat to all of us. It's kind of how I look at it. It's almost like if there were rival gangs and it's not to this extent. But, yeah, if there was like a, an, under, an under, undercover cop, you know, that's that's going to blow up their whole deal. you know, it's like and it's not gangs and it's not cops, but it's like that dynamic paralleled in, in my mind of of like we, you know, we got to cover our bases here because otherwise we're both threatened you know if he starts releasing this this paper that releases our names and who we are and all this shit of like of what we've done and these d's that are all like witness and and written out and all that but that first meeting was a little unclear as to what he wanted hoped to derive from that and i thought it was going to be that second meeting more of like straight to that um but that first meeting yeah it was like playing with the devil a bit of like I don't know. I think he was, he felt so out of place in his own group that he wanted to explore on the others, but it's like, he was never, he was never going to join them. So as far as going over there, it's like, was he just, I think he was, he, because I think he talks about the yank, at least at that point. And I I think he's just concerned about outsiders is, is my interpretation. But I also am, do think that first meeting is like a little wishy washy on what the point is besides just showing how, fucking scary Tommy is because he just starts smacking some dude's face into a table. Um, and that, I don't know, is proven in other scenes too. So it's not necessary, but I had this little blurb about the Millwall Bushwhackers, the uh, most prominent firm that uh, is represented by Tommy. If you don't mind that I read a little bit of it. Yeah, please. So Millwall Bushwhackers, Millwall's fan base was traditionally made up of the of dock workers known for working in physical and aggressive conditions. It should be no surprise that Millwall's hooligans are among the most notorious in England. The Millwall Bushwhacker, Bushwhackers are the most notorious of them all and are among the worst behaved football f- fans in England. Active since 72, the Millwall Bushwhackers have an extensive rap sheet. 
It includes a dummy grenade thrown onto the pitch in a 1965 match against Brentford. Whoa. In 1982, Millwall chairman Alan Thorne even threatened to close the club because of fan violence. In an FA uh, Cup away match against Luton Town in 85, the Millwall Bushwhackers were involved in one of the worst incidents of football hooliganism in English football. During the Kenilworth Road riot, the Bushwhackers were involved in ripping out seats, smashing windows at pubs and newsagents throughout Luton, fuck journos, throwing projectiles at Luton, Luton <coughs> supporters, with, which included bottles, nails, cans, and coins, and police dogs having to help clear the pitch. The Bushwhackers were involved again in one of the worst disturbances in recent times in 2002 with hundreds of Millwall fans involved in incidents around St. Andrews Stadium following a playoff loss to Birmingham City, Millwall losing in a penalty shootout and missing out on promotion to the Premier League, almost 50 police officers and 24 police horses were injured. Jeez. 24 horses were injured. <laughs> It just makes me think Fuck. of like Conan the Barbarian, where somebody just comes up to a horse. Just, yeah. <laughs> or, or like, uh, oh, is that in Conan? Or I was thinking yeah. Blazing Saddles or Mongo does that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Millwall fans have developed a siege mentality over the years. It's one of the most hated football clubs in England. The Bushwhackers notoriety, no doubt, playing a role. It's given rise to the famous football chant. No one likes us. We don't care. Being sung by Millwall fans in defiance. Most hooligan firms will see the Bushwhackers as their most hated rivals, but respect their status as one of the most notorious, notorious firms in England. Uh, I just thought that was like some interesting like anecdotes um, for for like. So I was wondering of like, is that like a made up thing? It's like, is it weird that they're attributing so much, you know, this sort of stigma to these, you know, this this Millwall sort of team? It's like, oh no, that is actually their reputation mm -hmm. and like. You know, I, there's there's this little bit about the inner city firm from West Ham. They're formed in 77. Um, uh, da, 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 the most notorious in London, same as well. The ICF, have a, uh, they're the inner city firm. The ICF have a ferocious rivalry with the Bushwhackers and the Chelsea Headhunters and the Tottenham Yid Army. The ICF is infamous for leaving calling cards on victims that read, congratulations, congratulations you have just met the ICF. So I feel like they just beat somebody up and just leave that card on them. And wow. then that was adopted by other football club firms. And um, yeah. So this rivalry between them, it's founded in truth. I thought that was like a fun little, little bit to just go down for a second um, for people like us. I feel like we don't know a lot about that shit. Um, but this Tommy guy from the Bushwhackers, I mean, his whole deal is, yeah, he brought his like 12 year old son to all these things and these fights and shit. And then you find out later that things get out of hand and under, under Charlie Hunnam's bigger brother, the brother-in-law. And when he was leader, the 12 year old son of Tommy was murdered, was killed in this fight. And that's why he, you know, that was 10 years ago during the events of this movie. And so that's kind of like also another nice exposition thing where that's kind of like alluded to throughout the movie you get the reveal of the brother-in-law being the previous leader and having a deeper connection to the movie. So when he um, takes his injury, it, it means a lot uh, yeah. as well. Um, yeah. And then, you know, if we go back to the story, sorry for that little, uh, been a lot of rabbit no. rabbit trails today, but that's how we do things here, baby. It's, it's, it's free flying. We're all, we're all over the place. 
Um, but he gets jumped in the alleyway by uh, the uh, the other team's fans because they see him walking away from his crew after the whole bobber incident. And they come back to save him, which like ingratiates him or just makes yes. him. And also makes him in a very, yeah, kind of gang sort of way. Makes him feel like he owes them something kind of. So now mm-hmm. when they go back to his sister and he's all tuned up, he's got a big shiner on his noggin uh, and they're pissed about it. And the brothers have a little tiff. He steps in and tries to protect a younger brother. And then they both get thrown out. And so it's just like, now they're just like, you know, he's looking at him as like a lifeline at this point. Cause he's kind of, he already feels estranged from his sister. And then it gets in, they have their scene about, you know, where they have their, their issues about, you know, you were, you never came to London. Well, you fucking left right when mom died. And the dad has just been kind of absent overall. And they're, they seem both kind of like upset about that. Um, yeah. Flying, flying through some of this, but those are, those are some of the, that's some of the big stuff. And then, uh, yeah, I don't know. We kind of just, do you, you okay? Me kind of just keep plowing through. Sure. Actually, before we do that, I, I want to take a quick break. But yeah, I mean, no, we do definitely need to get through this movie. And I don't want to downplay, though. Like, there's some really great character work between the sister and Elijah Wood. Like, it's a great scene, you know. Yeah. Yeah, because and it also just sets you up in this continuing ingratiating, like you're saying, of like uh, of Elijah Wood into the GSE, because, you know, he obviously Elijah Wood, uh, Matt comes to uh, London or comes to the UK and then is planning on staying with his sister the whole time. But the fact that he makes a, a really strong connection, makes a friend, I it just yeah, it, it's a very much a college student of that age thing of like i'm not gonna stay with my sister i'm definitely gonna go stay with a person who's my age who's doing the same things that i'm doing and it just sets you up for him to be so insulated in and allows him to flourish as a character into you know because we start i i don't know when exactly we start getting another vo dump but you know and i really love this because i think it is something that's so powerful and uh, and is a pro uh, pros of the movie is you know he makes the statement of you know when once you've gotten beaten up you and you realize you're not glass then it kind of really allows you to uh uh, to grow or you kind of start to thirst for this level of excitement because you don't yeah it isn't so scary anymore and uh yeah, it just sets them on a path for sure. Absolutely. Well, yeah. uh, we'll pick up from there when we get back. We're going to take a break. We'll uh, we'll return. All right, we are back. Um, I guess we are at. I'm thinking like there's just they they go to another game is like the next big thing. There's more like him be becoming more and more. A part of the British. crew, more <laughs> British. Yes, it's uh, it's yes, Elijah Wood. Yes, uh, um, assimilating to the British culture and to football, soccer culture, and to pub culture. And he gets a tattoo. It's really him living with, uh, with Charlie, with Pete. I mean, sorry, with Pete. Yeah, it's like the, and this. This chunk is yeah, just him getting closer and closer bobber is just hating him more and more and then i and then i think the one big thing i'm trying to if the tattoo happens before or after the truck incident which we mentioned earlier where they 
do the little sneak attack from behind. And I, I guess that's, I'm looking at Wikipedia just at the plot. And I guess that was a Manchester, U, Manchester United um, yeah. game. Cause I was wondering, I was like, maybe Bobber told them to like, Oh, they're going to be at this station, but it's like, no, he was going to be at that station too. And he didn't, and he was pissed that they were going to beat him up. And then he was like, Oh, what? Shut, shut the fuck up. Uh, Elijah, what do you, you don't know what you're talking about. He's, you know, he actually had a good, a good plan. They hit him with that little sign. It was great. And then uh, the Man U fans like get taken away. And yeah, what I would say like around this time is I thought it was really great for the character of Pete to be a teacher and to be really smart. I also like that, too. Because, yeah, I think they're again, given that it's like about gangs, if you will, um, yeah, I think there could have been a way of writing the character where this, you know, Pete was pretty destitute. Um, so much of his livelihood was wrapped up in the GSE. But again, just like with mm-hmm. the other characters, I think if the movie really does well to give them all their own thing like mm-hmm. it's it really uh, me you know the, what the gse means is this is an outlet it isn't yes it is a huge part of their life but it is also just such an outlet for them to mm-hmm. be with their friends to uh to i don't know to grow uh, because of the yeah these conflicts that they have but I, yeah I, I really did i i i dug the um the scene of, you know, bringing uh, Matt to the soccer or like coaching thing mm-hmm. and those kids, you know, having the moment where uh, Elijah Wood is the goalie and all of these kids are kind of just kicking his ass mm-hmm. in, in soccer, which funny enough, our, a trivia for this was uh, a lot of those kids ended up becoming like real soccer players, wow. which is very cool. That's Because, yeah, they're, you know, they're yeah they they pl- played soccer or football very well so um it they makes cast, sense that they cast the- like the they scouted the top soccer players for the scene and and have them had them shoot some goals and and like i i agree with that role and that that job that he was given because it also spoke to the nature of the firm and who he was that it was about community is it and, yeah. and themselves they are a community within the the GSE but they not only are building themselves their reputation for themselves but also for the the community at large and uh-huh. you know when they see them marching down the street with like the rest of the fans and everything it's sure like a lot of that reputation yeah. you know him as a leader for these other men in in the firm too i didn't get you didn't get a hazing scene which i liked as well uh-huh. Like I and I feel like I don't know that would have not him around kids if he had been hazing someone too. It's just in depending on the severity of of the hazing, you know, there's there's you know, there's different ways to do it, but he was I don't know. A, he was a leader who wanted the best for his community and would take people in that he saw like, you know, like fighting him, like almost like a Gordon Ramsay or something. Like, I don't know. That's what Gordon, Gordon Ramsay was like, had his issues with the law. And he was like, you really wanted to be a soccer player for a moment too. Cooking, like saved his life. I believe is something that he said, or just like he got in, got in yeah. and said, uh-huh. and his, and how he sires, you know, kids in the, or no, no sires or whatever, just like teaches and 
uh, like Master Chef Junior and stuff like that, and how how good he is with with children. This is just a whole Gordon Ramsay thing now, but I just like that edge to a person. But then you see them around children, it's like there's so much, there's such a capacity for love there as as well, um, and yeah. it differentiates it a little bit from the gang too. But I, I don't know. But also, no, like, no, you're but also you're right. Gang gangs of been known to do that as well. I don't know, like Al Capone's like Italian mafia shit, but it's like it it just gets I'm not gonna get into it. It'll get just it gets distorted and, and, and gang has such a connotation too. And he was very it's very pointed that it's not that. It's yes. not that. Right. And makes the point too of gangs in in California and the US like are pussies almost because they just shoot people from cars indiscriminately almost mm. and there is something to be said about them fist fighting it isn't about yeah it isn't about killing people it's just about making a name for yourself yeah i i don't know or and drugs you can or whatever, all you know? Right. And maybe you could argue against, and I think the critics might have as well, is is that there, you know, there is a way of telling this where the gang is more important in that sense that it provides a sense of purpose or provides more to each other's life outside of just camaraderie and an outlet. Like, you know, again, if it was, uh, if people were running these scams or drugs or some type of financial f- scam or whatever for, mm-hmm. you know, that's what the GSC is also about, you know, but that's not what this movie is. It, it, it's more so about, yeah. Uh, I don't know the love of soccer and, yeah, I it's. Don't, I, uh, I, I, mean, I haven't. Well, I'm sorry if I could cut you off. No, no, no. You're I, I was just like, I think something that the movie is about that and through the veil of a female director is male companionship and men relationships and that community, sure. I think, and how it's told, I think, is done very effectively as well. Um, mm-hmm. And. Yeah, and it is a lot about honor and getting each other's back and things that are unspoken. And even in the most like climactic moment where he does come back and marches alongside him, they don't say anything to each other. It's just like a pat on the back, like a knowing. Right. Like, yeah. And it's just like, I it's just like that's that's all that's all you you really need. And when things get close to being intimate or whatever, it's just like those moments and then they're fleeting, you know. And I, I but there is yeah there there is that it is so focused on that camaraderie with him without him having a a romantic relationship it is about these 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 dudes like coming from different sides of of things um and forming their relationship but it's more about yeah i guess elijah wood just learning to be like learning what this culture is it's not so much like charlie Hunt. he doesn't give a fuck about who really like Elijah Wood is it's just like more about him like being a lost free mm-hmm. agent like you know person that has no past no identity like as far as he as uh Charlie Hunnam knows and it's just that's almost like right. just tracks with his character in terms of being a coach a P, a PE teacher a history teacher whatever of like guiding minds that need guidance and he's and he's providing that to Elijah Wood and you know that was 
the strange thing when he was like, oh, I guess I'll take you along to the game. I was like, well, what changed? And what he said was like, yeah, I see you like saw something in him or whatever, which was kind of loose and wishy-washy. But also it's like that tracks with him being a teacher. Um, Interesting character decisions and ways to fill it out and just makes it more interesting rather than like, yeah, no, he's going to Charlie Holmes just going to be a drug dealer. And that's going to be he's going to have his issues with that. And he's going to have that that flaw because he's a flaw. He's like he hasn't he has enough flaws. You don't need to add another one. Making him a respectable teacher makes it way more interesting. Uh, yeah. So For sure. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I guess the dad, we, we kind of like think the oh, his dad. Yeah, let's, I'm down to talk about yeah, his dad that, and like then, the, the meeting with him. And that kind of like leads to them going to the times and. Uh, mm. all the fallout, but, uh, this was another thing that was like breadcrumbed throughout, throughout the movie in a way that it, it held meaning, you know, and it, it, it led up to it. About Jernos, yeah. And also his, Absolutely. his father things are crossing over where like his relationship with his father and the journalism thing. And it's like, oh, he has his relationship with his sister, but that always, cro- that also crosses over with the soccer thing because her older brother you know is used to be the leader and his younger brother is the leader now and it's like these crossing over of plot lines is weaved in 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 a you know purposeful like well like tightly written way um is yeah is there anything you you feel about uh either performance of the father or uh you know just how this scene went down in general and their relationship. Yeah, I, sure. I would say that this was a moment for the father to come in and for uh, Matt, Elijah to stand up and say, like, you, you know, because a, a lot of confidence has been gained by Elijah at this point. And he stands up to his father and, and really makes some hard comments to the dad. And I would just love to say that the father's performance is wonderful because yeah. mm-hmm. there there are moments where especially towards the end where you, the father catches himself wanting to espouse some like criticism or some guidance and then reels it back and goes, you know what? What matters right now is just to tell you that I'm here. Mm -hmm. And I, it was really powerful Mm -hmm. um, and really wonderful because I, I don't. Yeah, there, there. So much credit to the performer. I, I don't know his name off the top of my head, but I think he does really great work. In there's Henry so Goodman. many part. Henry, good old Henry. Um, I will just say he looks nothing like the Elijah Wood or the sister. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a casting visually uh, a little off, but man, I'm, they cast him, I'm sure, based on performance. And he gives a wonderful performance because, yeah, like he wants to push him, wants to push Matt into journalism still because that's his trade and doesn't want him to give up on that. We also do a little bit of table setting for the discovery of Matt being a journal where he <laughs> right has a journal and yeah. you know uh he goes to the times because his dad wants him to just shake hands meet the people that are there mm-hmm. uh and then he gets spotted by I can't uh Matt what is his name uh 
Uh, Bob. Dave. Oh no, not Bobber. Yes, yeah, so yeah, the other guy. Yeah. Dave sees him mm-hmm. and calls everybody up and goes, "Did you know Matt is an undercover journo?" And then that jettisons us, uh, us into the um, into the yeah into the final chapter, final section of this movie where it is twofold. We have simultaneously Matt needs to stand up for himself to the crew and tell everybody, yes, I did. I, you know, I went to school for journalism. Yes, I have been uh, journaling through this process, but it isn't about taking you down. It's just more so about appreciation and love, like and and documenting what I'm going through. It's a diary. It's a journal. I've been doing it since I was a kid. Come on. I went to school for journalism. My dad was a journalist. I quit. It's over. Right. And there's a little brother in law uh, shows up and is like trying to like squash it. He's trying to squash it. And that that gets us that gets us into because what happens is is that. Oh, my God. It's wonderful because so man is been ousted as a journo simultaneously the brother-in-law figures that out as well which is very to the discredit of this movie very kind of shitty in in the way that it sets things up a little bit because obviously i i think the brother-in-law would know that his brother was a journalism Uh, major you know even though I get that the brother or Matt hasn't been involved in the family of uh-huh. his sister and his brother-in-law, but it's like, dude, you knew he was a journal. Yeah. Like, and also admit, too, yeah, he would know. Let's, let's be real. Like if he was a real journal, he's, not sending anything out. He's mm-hmm. been with Pete this whole time. Like w- aside from having a past of being a journal, like, he isn't doing anything to hurt the firm at all. And so just it kind of was a really loose and house of cards, if you will, for the movie where you're like, ah, this conflict. I get why this conflict exists, obviously, because we set up, like you said, and the movies does a really good job of peppering in like. Why we don't like journos, why it's such a big deal that we oust them and they shouldn't be a part of this, whatever. Mm-hmm. But it just is so thin in he's not a problem. There's not any, he's not there. You know what this movie could have benefited from is like, what if Matt submitted a piece of work to the times because his father wanted him to. And he like, there is more of an rubber meets the road. I really thought that's where it was going to go, but yeah, totally like at least something to like, he's actually hurting them. It was just so weird that there was this conflict about him being a journo and there's nothing he did to, so the whole time he's just like, I'm not, I'm on your side. I'm this and that, which Elijah would again, but that's, but I, I know that like, I kind of get where you're coming from and I totally see where there would be a version of the movie with that. And I really, I really thought that, especially with the narration and him, him doing the narration, Elijah sure, would, sure, himself, sure. I thought it was going to be some of it was like, he was going to start reading his piece that he wrote for the times. And that was going to be how he got back to Harvard. And then there was going to be the cup come up. of him like going right. back, like to visit his sister later. And then them being like, yeah, we saw that piece you wrote. And it's like, now you're this big time journalist and you got your fame off of this. And how does that really make you feel? It's like, there is that version of that movie, but it's like, I, is this, this is not that movie. 
And I understand if you criticize it and you think that you don't like it for that reason, but also it's like, this is, this is a telling where he maintained his convictions. He, yeah, but then I guess it, the end kind of almost rings hollow because he does go back into journalism. He's not fully done with journalism. It's just, no, he, and he not. doesn't, and this would be such a great juicy story to write about. And if it was some oh sort God, of like yeah. tribute in some way to like, you know, to Charlie, uh, I don't know what his, his character's name is, oh, right? Oh, or something. My, it's like, there's, there's a lot of ways to go. It can't be a tribute because, yeah. There's no way that it could be a tribute because that would fly in the face of what Charlie stands He'd for. be rolling over like in he, his grave, yeah. He'd be rolling over in his grave if, like, your commemoration to his life is to write a piece about him. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, even though... You know, I maybe you could present it in a way where it is so true to form that you write it in a way like this is the death of this comes from circumstance and he is a byproduct of a society x y and z reason like those are all things at play mm-hmm. and to get into it because we're getting close to the end of it mm-hmm. of this movie is like those are meteor things this movie doesn't spend any time dealing with it moves so quickly and stays so close and it's so focused well, which well, that is also the, a benefit the stuff we're talking about would happen at the end and this movie's ending is a little weak like I, I like spoiler alert, like yes and no, yes and no. I, I could argue it just, against it, it. It like wraps up like quickly and it's like, and maybe this, you could have the same point that I just made of like, well, this is just the telling of the story. You could have a different version and you could criticize for it, but it's like, you could argue the same thing. I'm like, no, this is an effective version of what it's, of what it's trying to say. I just, yeah, I was like the, his arc is completed when he confronts the roommate that just my point was <clears throat> excuse me that any of the stuff the extra stuff we're talking about like if he was going to write a piece if he was going to go back like that would happen at the end but it doesn't because it ends in ending the arc in the ways that it does and the way that it does and speaks to more of the commentary on to- toxic masculinity yeah uh, violently you know like violence and within the culture of whether it just be hooligans or groups of men and how they deal with each other and how they have to prove uh, to one another and how they interact and uh how they're yeah i mean there there could be they do bond over these things they do become closer because of these things but it's constantly like at what cost and it is done in such a way that, yeah, it's interesting because it's removed from the gangster element of like, oh, where they're doing like the drugs are going to fuck them up. The fucking, you know, like a boys in the, the hood, the, if you the, will. the drugs or the women or the or yeah. the whatever. Yeah, whatever, whatever the it is. Lifestyle. But, but instead, it's mm-hmm. their lifestyle removed from that is just their own selves, it seems like. And, you know, these these things that they're trying to attribute their identity to, which is soccer and football. I'm sorry. I keep just saying both of them. Cause I'm just trying to cover my bases. Uh, sorry, different, different, sorry, different. Maybe I shouldn't use a baseball, you know, and cover my bases. Oh, and that, that was brought up in this movie where yeah, but Matt's like, like oh, baseball is a great sport. Cause people throw the ball 90 miles an hour. And then everybody's who like, cares? Fuck, who fucking cares? I kind of agree, but still, um, yeah. 
baseball. No, sports. I was like, well, and then also my my point was, and we're pretty much like at the we're like this is we're Act Three discussion. No, we're like we're yeah. getting to the Act Three, all the Act Three stuff, and like the way this movie ends is, and I thought it was just another like when you think about it, it's just like such a, a true like telling of what this movie is about is what you don't even almost, yeah. you don't even see the game that they're so fucking jacked up. They're jacked up about obviously all this other stuff. Cause his fucking brother's in the hospital and uh, you know, the other dude's kid died and like 10 years ago, but they're so charged up about this and they have this big fight because they're about to face each other in the upcoming, you know, they got drawn to face each other the first time in 10 years. And instead of showing any of the fucking soccer game, they show somebody get fucking murdered 10 years later on the anniversary of that, those two teams getting matched up again. And you get to see this fucking circle of violence that is created by this fucking attitude in this culture. And it's like self-destructive masculinity and the self-destructive sort of nature of it. And I think it is effective on it when it does end there to counter my own point. But it's like, I just, it's just, I just like to think of all angles as like, yeah, it, when it does end there, I think it is pointed of like, this is a commentary on this. You get to see that. And then you see his older brother fucking in anguish about it all. Yeah. And everyone just like, is like, we, we, it went too far again. We let it happen again. Another no one wins. Another person had to fucking die 10 years later because, because of this. And he, you know, you know, he fucking stabbed his brother with a broken bottle. That was, uh, I've been just talking about that. That was so brutal. I was just like, ah! and then him just like <laughs> punching in the over and over. It's like, Oh God. It's just that like moment where emotional where though. I feel like emotional. Pete has his arm old, like disjointed yeah. and it's almost like a fake arm that he has to deal uh-huh. with. And it's like all out of its socket. No, like let's get into this because yeah. like, this is where the movie obviously hangs its hat and it's pros really come out is that this toxic masculinity has led to a circle of violence that is seemingly unending. We, so the right, the retribution for a child dying through aggression is another child dying Mm -hmm. in aggression. And then we also, and I think this is honestly for me works so well is that the movie sticks to its guns and says, the sister's going to leave. The brother's dead. Yeah. And and the brother-in-law is in the hospital alone. Mm. Like yeah. that sticks the fucking landing for me because mm-hmm. that's all you really need to know. It's like this is that's all you this need is to know the is result that, of this comeuppance of everything, you know. Totally, because the point that it's making then is is that this leads to nothing good. Mm-hmm. Nothing good is going to come out of you your purpose or your identity is wrapped up in posturing Mm -hmm. in in violence in uh yeah just overall confrontation to one up somebody else to say that you're the better person Mm -hmm. like it just leads nowhere except being alone or dead Mm -hmm. and i and i will commend this movie for the sister leaving because there's definitely another version of this where like the you know pete dies and the sister goes to the brother-in-law and goes like you know and and just pete dying is like more of the the 
problem or the uh, end result of being a part of a firm and a part of this lifestyle, she leaves. And I think that is like where a female writer comes out where Mm -hmm. you're like, of course he leaves. Like I first off told you made it very clear that if you do this, I'm leaving. Yeah. So she sticks to her guns and Mm -hmm. she leaves. And then also smart move, just smart move, by the way, because they, when she does show up and they recognize who she is, they want to fucking kill her. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I, yeah, I, it really does speak to toxic masculinity because like leading up to so like to this point almost is you are commended your value, your purpose, your place in this world is predicated on whether or not you can fight and whether or not you can be the biggest and baddest in the sense of bravado of, uh, yeah, just Mm -hmm. all of it, like all of the toxic masculinity, you know, uh, characteristics, traits, whatever. And it ends with you being, yeah, alone, Cause that's what toxic in my mind as a person at this age, in this year, everything like that's what toxic masculinity gets you is that it may it you're alone mm-hmm. and you are unfulfilled mm-hmm. in life. That's what it gets you. Because if you are going to base your whole persona and your self-worth on whether you are the strongest whether you are the fiercest, whether you are all of those things, you are going to be left alone because no one, no woman wants that. And most people don't want that. Most people want to feel a sense of like love and compassion and caringness. And if you if it's just like, what have you done for me lately? Have you been in a fight with me? <laughs> and that's all that matters. Then you are going to be left alone. And I'm yeah, I, I commend the movie for sticking to the guns of that. And it's understandable that it would because a, a woman would have that perspective because a woman would be like, that isn't what worth is based on. Like worth is based on being there for your child. Worth is based on, you know, uh, loving your family, like or just putting love in general into the world, because that's what matters. Like, that's mm-hmm. what makes people better or makes society better. And society does not benefit for young men fighting against each other over a fucking football game like mm-hmm. that's not and that doesn't benefit anybody. <laughs> Like, and so, yeah, I just, there's some, the, the way this movie sticks to its guns on that is something really wonderful to be said, I would say, because everybody should be fucked over from this. Cause we just spent this whole movie kind of glamorizing almost of like, and I guess then I would, you know, after this, I'm sorry, diatribe of, you know, Oh, it's been amazing. I think it's so well put, but like, what the final moments of this movie are kind of like flies a flag in face of that a little bit. Um, But it obviously gives a comeuppance and a retribution and a change in the character from where we started, from where we end. But yeah, I could, I just, again, I, I now I feel like a broken record, but commend the movie for, 
the the people involved in the firm being worse off for being in it because mm-hmm. that is a clear statement of this is not a good thing it's we toxic, don't need know? more it's of this mm-hmm. yeah absolutely yeah it's like a movie that we did last time was boondock saints and as much as like oh, i really right. enjoyed uh, aspects of that movie is such a different, like there's real hard tonal shifts in that movie that I would criticize for and in its way of handling violence and the reasons for it. It's maybe, I don't know. I don't have to compare the two movies, but just having, no, please do because they're very similar in in certain ways, but it's like very different also in terms of its commentary on said violence and the characters that are, are wrapped up in it. And it, glorifies it to a point in this one but in boondock saints it all like its final moment is like fuck yeah we're gonna execute this motherfucker like and take justice into our own hands and revenge is gonna be dealt and we're gonna take retribution and then it's gonna solve our problems and this is more like the green street is more like that's a a slope that you're gonna constantly be sliding down in in terms of like there you never if you're living your life like you said you said it way way like perfectly and i and i loved your whole your whole piece about it if you're constantly going to be posturing if that's where you base your self-worth on and everything it's like there's no way you're ever going to be done like you're ever ever going to be fulfilled or complete unless you're with you know it's like with people who love you no matter what your family and your reputation reputation with them it's like they're going to love you regardless and they're going to be there for you regardless of if you're associating with a yank or something. I don't know. It's just like, there's, there's these standards that are, that get distorted. And, uh, I enjoy how that is handled in this movie way more than boondock saints. They are, they are similar, but you know, different. And no, they are similar. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because I think, I mean, the biggest difference, obviously, is the director and the uh, point of view and the voice that are, are are because, yeah, it's great to bring this up. And I think that's I'm glad you're bringing it up because I think that's part of why we chose this movie or at least why I push for this movie is that. Not only in release in. In like uh in relation to like my life and where i'm was at age wise and all of that is that i think also to scale and uh trying to accomplish you know because obviously you know (laughs) given our format we don't talk about really good versions of movies necessarily like you know fight club or uh Mm -hmm. pulp fiction or whatever where Everyone's like, oh, yeah, this this hits, (laughs) this hits the notes. Yeah, this is great. Right. You know, Pulp Fiction, for, you know, example, like a lot of people die. There's a lot of terrible people that get their comeuppance and it makes a sweeping point of like the like vampiric or um shallow nature of relationships when you're living a particular life there's also a posturing uh and a bravado that you have to have inside a like inside of that lifestyle like pulp fiction for example is is like i just feel like john travolta 
is a byproduct of a life lived in that arena. And he makes decisions that are poor decisions because of life lived to get him to that point. And it makes really great commentary on like, you know, uh, uh, the thing that always comes to mind for Pulp Fiction for me is the scene where the girl, where, um, the OD where, um, uh, Uma Thurman's OD, right? And you just, there's how relationships work, what everybody wants out of it. Like all of those things just really shed light on, because I've been in that situation, not ODing, but I've been around those people where they are saying things about people who are ODing. They're tackling those issues, things like that. And also to bring it back to this movie is toxic masculinity where you just you measure your it's a dick measuring contest is a, a colloquial where yeah y- your acceptance into a group for like elijah in this exa- in green street is whether or not he can fight whether or not he's there to fight you know all of those things and it if you sh- you And to the detriment, I would say now, like, it's weird. Like, I almost wish I could, you know, now seeing this to a degree, like take back some of my score for, I don't remember what I gave. I uh, know that's all, but but it's uh, like, it just is what it is, man. It's like, we, right. This is, it's the, we're dealing with like the hardest to rate movies. I think, I think the movies that Uh we pick to, to rate are like really hard, especially when like, I don't know. I am such like, oh, well, let's hear both sides and try to find like the real true happy medium. And then like other times I'll just go way higher or way lower than anything. But most of the time I feel like we're in the middle of these scores each time when we try to find it. But like with Boondock Saints, I think I was really just so blown away with Willem Dafoe. I was just like, I I really think I gave, uh, I think I gave that like a 71 and uh-huh. you gave it a 69. I remember you gave it a 69 because yeah, you're, you're an edge lord. And yep. um I don't know. I'll stick by it, whatever. Like, well, maybe not. I don't know. If I actually revisit it, but at that moment, that's how I felt. So that's the rating, you know. That's that is the and I have so I've already like right. revisit I felt I was like, I feel kind of different about my whole world's end versus dead men tell no tales. I still feel weird about how I rated those ones. And then, like, I even went back on, like, uh, the witch and Green Knight and gave him, you know, retrospective uh, 100s just because I was like, fuck it. It's like, there's no rules. Who cares? It's the polarized kingdoms. We're the kings here. You can deal with it. Um, But I try not to. I'm just going to try to stick with my guns a little bit more for my own sanity because I just, like, can't overthink it. I'm just excited Uh, for if we get another um, (laughs) retrospective from... uh, a, a blarge aka Corey on our ratings like he wonderfully did last year and you he know, updated he, it you like he included that i put those hundreds so he's he's just right on the pulse of of the polarized kingdom it's great i love it yeah but um, it, isn't it but nonetheless like to move away from that and we should get into yeah i'm gonna uh, do some reviews here soon yeah reviews and whatnot but it is interesting this is a really great back to back i feel like because i agree this movie made me reconsider my previous score more than any other movie because this is just a better made movie (laughs) (laughs) 
in a lot of ways and has so much more to say. Visually, Boondock Saints is more interesting. Yeah, but when it comes to like the meat and potatoes of it, of like what are the characters about, what is the prose of the movie, those type of things. This makes me reconsider my score for Boondocks because Boondocks is such a glorification of toxic masculinity, yep. of brutal yeah, straight violent. up. And, and then to get this movie where it it lets you know what really is the outcome of that, uh-huh. you're just like, oh yeah, I don't want to glorify Boondocks Saints at all. I want to be like, like I don't want to say never not to watch Boondocks, but it's like. Fuck, like, you know, even though I'm an edgelord, you know, I just I could imagine somebody's identity being wrapped up in Boondock Saints and being like, that's not going to get you far in relationships and in life. If you feel like that, what that's like expelling is good overall. Right. Yeah. And it does kind of glorify things in a way that in you know, the, the wrong hands, people could look at it in, in a way, but it's like, I just was, yeah, the, that movie is like a singular expression of something that is interesting. And I think we were both kind of taken, taken with that. And that's completely okay. Cause that movie has an energy to it. And when, and will again, Willem Dafoe, it's Willem like Dafoe, one of his yeah. performances that is unforgettable. Um, and there's just, uh, a, a certain connection that I, that I think was formed in that recording and, and how we talked about it and how we all came to like similar conclusions. And I think that happens a lot <clears throat> in talking about something too, where it's like, we almost like, yeah, okay. We all kind of like, or I've come to a conclusion. I, those are people that I like to talk to. And that episode, it was Aaron Williams too. And it's like, I think we were all just so agreeable. And I, and it's like mm. a lot of the people I like to hang out with, <laughs> it's like, Oh, we can, <laughs> Oh, we can have it. Cause there's, and that's like, and I feel like all of us have come to this podcast thinking I have had like an opinion of how I feel. And then it just kind of changes. And I think as we talk about it and it's just like, I don't know. I think that shows that we're willing to hear about information, hear other people's opinion and change our own opinions based on new information and, I'd like to be as more like that in my life as, as I can. Mm-hmm, um, me too, yeah. But I'll, yeah, should I start with some critics opinions and that can really mess, mess with our uh, minds about how we <laughs> feel about yeah. it. Cause this usually yeah, was like, Oh, really okay. Yeah. Up. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Let's start with a uh, Washington post from Destin Thompson. Soccer needs this movie. Like Georgia needed deliverance. Oh, okay. Rotten. I'm not sure. I'm, uh, it's oh, interesting. So that it's, makes so me, it's like make, giving you're it, a soccer fan, but it's like then, giving it a. And you're like frustrated by this be showing the like. It's right, it's, because, it's giving it a certain sort of connotation to people that like, oh, this is how soccer fans are, maybe, and it's like a bad. Re- oh, it's totally. giving it a bad reputation. It's, is what he's saying? Yeah. Absolutely right. It's like now That's people all, are going to think yeah. about is this with which, which by the way, forty seven percent for critics and then eighty seven percent for audience. Just to remind everyone, um, but I'm just going to be going through some of these rotten critics reviews to start from Wesley Morris from the Boston Globe. Uh, score two out of four. Unfortunately, the beatings are often more interesting than what's caused them. 
which I disagree with. The one thing I didn't, we didn't talk about too much, not to continue to rabbit trail, but I didn't like how the action was shot in this movie, like at all. Um, like the fight scenes yeah. and stuff. It was just like, <laughs> you can't see visually what I'm doing, but it just looked like <laughs> the person was just like shaking the camera at certain oh, times. Playing that moment Especially I, like I when it, Elijah yeah. Wood first gets punched and then all of a sudden he's like, gets a bunch of, you feel it like adrenaline of like, oh, I gotta fucking fight back. And then all of a sudden the guy just starts like shaking the camera, like maybe like born identity times or something. But I, I just it, it reminded me of crank. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's kind of some zooms, like shaky. But zooms also too, stuff. but it's very Drop the frame shaky. rate. Yeah. Yeah. Not good. Not doesn't age well. Uh, from Michael Phillips, Chicago Tribune. One and a half out of four. This is Fight Club without the irony or the metaphysical gaming. Metaphysical huh. gaming. Um, from John Anderson, Newsday. Two out of four. Alexander's techniques occasionally get a bit too fancy, but the movie has a kinetic energy and intelligence that score. Okay. So kind of like on the fence a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Thomas from Los Angeles Times. Two out of five. The steady diet of brutal... Street fighting makes it all but impossible to connect with this picture, despite whatever visceral appeal it may offer. So he's trying to connect, couldn't do it. Um, yeah, okay. Uh, we'll do a random one. I like doing some random ones every now and then that are like super high. Atlanta Journal Constel- Constitution from Bob Longino. C is his score. Says it swim it swims and sinks in melodrama. Uh, Stephen Ray from Philadelphia Inquirer, mm-hmm. two out of four. The script is a jumble of caricatures and cliches. Uh, from John Monahan, Detroit Free Press. There's a uh, two out of four. There's a good movie to be made about the violent world of British soccer or football, as it's called on the other side of the pond. This isn't it. All right, that'll be the last critics review. We'll move on to audience 40 percent differential there i mean that's one of i mean that's that's our wheel wheelhouse baby we love <laughs> we love the the broad uh scope of of that of that difference because that's a very high audience like audience like really fucking likes this movie it's um, understandable and on and the the critics are just like very very like whatever about it um so let's hear from some audience reviews and the interesting with audience reviews uh, on this one is I usually go to Amazon, but it's like, there's no streaming page for Amazon. So this is from that DVD, you know, you got to buy it on like <laughs> right. DVD green street hooligans by Elijah Wood. God, I got to find like my so copy. Good. And I'm sure sh- what if I could sell it for a bunch of money? Gold, I don't know. my friend. Um, I mean, yeah. And you'd be, it was a little pixelated on YouTube. It might be a little bit better. And if you got like a nice HD, I don't know, a little DVD. Oh, who knows? The funny thing is, is I don't have anything to play it on. <laughs> <laughs> I like because I you got do your old Xbox. Have, just throw it on there. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. I do have a whole in- box full of DVDs. Yeah. Anyways, um, we will start with uh, five stars from He Chul Kwan, titled "Good Solid Action Coming of Age Film." This is the second movie of Lexi Alexander, and since my first film was such a heartbeat for me, my expectation was really sky high. Each characters were really charming, even the woman, his sister, who was a really small part. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Jesus. Fuck. 
was lovable and fun to look at. She knows how to choose characters all right. Jeez. Choose actors all right. Damn it, I'm sorry. Good lord. <laughs> that person is sexist. Yeah, we'll just we'll yeah, we'll go we'll go out and say it as polarized podcast. We don't condone any anything that you I will we be reading. I get that Claire is lovely, but like if you were to just we didn't start the conversation. All right. <laughs> you can comment on somebody looking good or whatever, but like. If I'm just going to leave it there. I, I should have vetted these out a bit better, but this is the first one you see on Amazon. So I'm going to keep on rolling, baby. Let's go on to the next one from Brenda. Five stars uh, titled obsessed. I bought at least 10 copies of this movie have given them as gifts sent in care packages to Iraq and replace ones stolen from me. Fantastic movie. I suggest sitting by yourself to watch the first time and having a six pack of beer nearby. When it's done, have a friend at the ready to go out. You will want to. From there, just kick back. Hold on and enjoy the night. In the morning, have a good English breakfast and give yourself a pat on the back for purchasing this movie. The DVD I received from Amazon is the same quality of all the others I've purchased elsewhere. Phenomenal movie. I will tell, tell you now, do not get Green Street 2. Total crap. <laughs> Ten copies. And she can attest to the quality of all of those copies. She said she like has tested all of the... And they're... They're great. What a, uh, wow. Not all heroes wear capes. Um, from Bob Hind, uh, five stars titled No Citizens Welcome. Parentheses joke. <laughs> it always makes it a better joke when you tell people it's a joke. Um, I love when I... I don't do it. Goes on to say, I love when I find sleeper movies that I missed upon their release. Really helps me understand the love and pathos of the game over there. Acting in complex and superbly done. Watched it elsewhere and needed to have it around the house, so I bought it. This movie really holds your interest. Hmm. Uh, from the Dutch Will, five stars, titled Football, Not Soccer. This movie speaks about British versus American differences in sports. It further explains the hooligans and their fanatic contribution of their team using violence. Good story packed with action drama and British idiomatic expressions. A must for the sports fan. Uh, another one. Five, yeah. I'll just do a couple more from KH five stars. Not a lot of sports though. I would say for yeah. all you sportas out there. <laughs> I know not, I would not a lot of sports. Yeah, this isn't, it has some of like the you pacing, the pacing of a sports movie, but instead of games, there's fights. Yeah. There's even like a Lord of the Rings moment of like, this one group comes out of the side and charges in and is like, yeah, kind of like, right. Oh, the riders of Rohirrim. Yes. Um, and he gets a lit. Gondor. Look to the sun on the east on the third day. Gondor has raid. <laughs> uh, from cage five stars. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, we can go all day. <laughs> We can go all day. When Elijah and Wood was Rohan like, Yo, answer. what's that? And Rohan will answer. Rohan will answer. The beacon is lit. The beacons are lit. When Elijah Wood, like that adrenaline, like he's like getting jacked up and he's like, yeah! or like when he's charging yeah. in with like the group, I was like, yeah, this is like if Frodo was on the front lines. This is cool because he, oh, right. he was pretty weak in Return of the King. He's just like, carry me, Sam. 
very weak yeah and then you get that wonderful just da- jumping on the bed you know longing looks at all the hum- oh, yeah because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's all better and he's all rested you like that is that your favorite frodo oh uh, yeah it's my favorite <laughs> you don't like it <laughs> just like yeah <laughs> uh, but i love it because we just like they split up and then they're gone and it's just like oh they're back together you get Gimli just hey, <laughs> and then Gandalf's Gandalf like, yes, I approve. Yeah, I remember you saying something about like, ooh, Gandalf seems really turned on. <laughs> or maybe that was Cody. <laughs> Where they're all all the hobbits are on the bed just dancing and Hello hugging fire. each other. I mean I don't know. It's for for many people, they're like, "Will this movie end already?" And I'm like, "Give me that extended edition. I want more." Yeah, um, more. I'll, I'll give. Yeah, <laughs> they just extend that scene out too. <laughs> yeah, they're like, "Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. oh, oh, look at these little guys just having Taking so much fun." Taking the hobbits to Isengard. Um, from KH five stars, titled probably my fa- all time favorite movie. It's got a little bit for everyone. Probably my all-time favorite movie. It's got a little bit for everyone. If you like sports, it has the soccer football aspect. If you like action, it got a little bit of the fighting. Highly recommend this movie. You will not be disappointed. 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 Uh, um, I think that is pretty much it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, people saying they love Charlie. Huh, um, you know, it's like it's people really responding very very strongly to the quality of their DVDs um, sure. from AM Johnson. This will be my last one titled. Wow. Five stars. It's a fun look into the world of football for someone in the U S I understand that it's a movie and it's not all true, but you get to love the passion of the fans. Um, people. Yeah. A lot of people talking about Charlie Hunnam and Good. Uh, how much they love him and stealing the show. And I could not agree more. Um, yeah. I am ready to move on or yeah. Any comments on the polarizing nature? It seems like, you know, yeah. Melodrama from the, from the critics was one of the notes and uh, like, it almost seemed like some of those, they were like wanting to like it, but it just didn't follow through on some of the thing, other mm-hmm. things that they wanted more of. Um, and the audience just really connected with, when they mentioning like sports, sports, sports and the action, you know, which yeah. is like, you know, it, it is, it is what it is. And like, people will have that reading of it the same way. It's like people watch fight club and have a certain fan base that are not watching in the same way as maybe everyone else. And this might be one of those two, but it's like, and in those moments of action, it, it is that like rock and music, you know, it has quick edits sure. and like, uh, there's that camaraderie and Elijah woods, you know, like, in a Scorsese sort of way, it's like you still like watching someone become a gangster. It's like you, you like watching him play fucking Rolling Stones for the 50th time in his career and having some guy do like, you know, shit that's you're like tantalized by it a little bit. And you get, you know, you see this guy, these people that are caught up in their day to day stuff get to let loose. Um, but I'll, I'll throw it to you, Brandini. Any final thoughts about polarizing nature of any kind? And then do you want to kick us off with the uh, final thoughts, too? Sure. Yeah. Um, 
I guess I'll just uh, I'm going to roll them all together because, yeah, I understand that the reason that critics don't like this movie is is because it is small on its scale. I think that you end up wanting like it kind of posits certain things and you end up wanting it to be like dig a little deeper, get a little bit more into things. And, you know, we've kind of like rewrote it or made comments about how this movie could be better in certain ways. But I I would overall say that I think it benefits so much of being on the scale that it is because it makes a clear point of how toxic masculinity is a overall like negative and uh, the characters would have been better off if they weren't involved in the firm and flies in face of like the passions that these characters had because they ultimately like result in really negative to death. For uh, P. Dunham, like, yeah, it's just that stuff though really works for me. I don't know. Like, it's hard for me to be too negative about this movie because it is like, I don't know. It's like it it, it hits. It, it is pretty focused. It comes in. It, it, I don't Yeah, I don't know. It works for me. I, I know. I know I'm kind of floundering here because and but we've already said a lot of what you know we wanted to say about it. Um yeah, I think this movie is good. And um I definitely think it's better than Boonock Saints. Unfortunately, like yeah, we mentioned that Willem Dafoe's performance is wonderful, and maybe, yeah, like if it had a bigger performance in this movie, then it would be even higher, but it doesn't. And not to say that uh Charlie Hunnam's you know, performance isn't great because it is. And I think it he is a standout character in this. So, yeah, I don't, I don't want to meander in this and I want to be concise, just like this movie can be at times. And uh, yeah, I'm going to give this movie a 79 percent. Wonder, wonderful friend. Um, I've enjoyed our discussion so much this go around, and I think we've kind of stretched it out to different things, uh, you know, surrounding the movie. And I think that it was effective in us bringing up those conversations, especially like, you know, two guys that have, I, you know, a strong relationship where we're, you know, we see each other, you know, Mm. every week at least doing this podcast and everything and and to see a movie that, uh, that deals with that. We've never been in a gang together or a, or a firm or anything yet. It, It could happen. We could, we might start our own, who knows? Um, you know, the polarized kingdom is a, is a firm of its own. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I just, I enjoy, I enjoyed that, um, that, ex- that form of expression about male companionship. I enjoyed the, the, uh, narrative direction that it took in terms of like how it leaked out in exposition, the performances all around were, elevating the material even more so Elijah Wood for whatever faults he may have could tell he was fully committed to the performance and was re- I I could sense a sense of excitement from him to like do something different than Lord of the Rings it just seemed like right yeah I don't know he just seemed stoked to to do something different and um I would criticize you know like the action scenes again I thought were ugly um, as well as like the soccer stuff, you know, it's like, but it's like foggy London town, you know, it's like some of those things are going to get washed out and blown out. And then they all as well color correct it, which just kind of adds to that. Um, 
the comparison to Boondock Saints, I think, is an interesting one that is recency sort of ish, uh, issue with us here. But I think it's timely, and it's also movie that deals with violence in very different ways and it made me confront my own feelings about uh you know how these movies are expressed and how i just watched boondock saints and already like reforming opinions about that yeah. and i think for a movie to do that to me i think is pretty effective in, in what it's trying to do is make me think about that kind of stuff and i will emphasize again the humanity of the characters and the nuance and the empathy that they give everyone. And again, and like Bobber, just, I love his whole arc. I thought that character really was important to also expressing the na negative nature of this club or this firm and the, somebody who is so steeped in the tradition and what you're supposed to do that they don't think outside of, just themselves and just accept things at face value. Like this yank is just a, a, a bloke, you know, he's just, he's just another guy. And it's like, no, he's like, no, I'm just sticking by the rules of like, no, we don't have outsiders. We don't have yanks. And he's so fogged up in that, that he doesn't look uh, at, you know, the person just right in front of him. Um, and yeah, the, the final crescendo of it all is one that lets you know that he leaves, she leaves. And they reject this and realize that he's okay with his reputation here, not mattering in Boston. And he's willing to reinvent himself again in a new way. And uh, I'm just kind of like going over that a little bit in my mind too. And how much I liked this movie, how much I uh, was in it. And was on on board with it way more than Boondock Saints as as an experience. When those guys were confused about who they should kill next and what they should do next, this one was like way more pointed, and every moment had its purpose for the most part in my mind. Um, so I will give it an eighty-one. <laughs> it was like it's seventy-eight, seventy-eight or eighty-one. Yeah, like totally. Yeah, it jumped Wonderful, up. It jumped man. up for for me. I, I don't know. It's like. I just, I would, I feel really happy champion, championing this movie in a yeah, way of like, I agree, especially going into Boondock Saints thinking I was going to hate it. I was like, oh, it was a little bit better than I thought. And now thinking again, I'm like, well, it could have been way better and it could have had a point more so than just trying to be cool, which it was cool in its own way too. It yeah, cool, definitely has some cool fucking moments, but this one yeah. has something to say and I'm here to listen to it. And um, I'm curious about oh, checking yeah. out this director's other movies because she was also on an episode of How Did This Get Made back in the day when they were talking about Punisher Warzone, another one of her movies. And I thought that was so cool for a director to go on that podcast called How Did This Get Made and talk about her own movie. And I know she right. was very like transparent about how she felt about making a movie and dealing with Hollywood and even how much she wanted like Freddie Prince Jr. to play Punisher and like executives wouldn't let her because it just but he, she was like oh he would have been perfect for punisher and i was like oh get freddie in there um anyways she just she, she seems like an interesting person and i'd like to check out more of her work a, a little bit too uh from here i don't know if we officially decided on the next movie i threw 
for uh, choices in the chat, if you want to, I was thinking we one of each one of us could pick one and we could flip a coin, or we could do that one I mentioned earlier. I think the greatest showman or butterfly effect are the top for me. Okay, I think both of those sound great too. Let, do you want to flip a coin on those and then? We'll decide which one we'll do first, and then we'll just do the other one next week. Does that work? Sure. Okay, so Greatest Showman Heads, Butterfly Effect Tails. You ready? Yep. Flipping, flipping, flipping. Tails, Butterfly Effect it is, and then we will be doing (laughs) Greatest Showman after that. I think this is a good follow-up, because this is still in the camp of, like, edgy kind of 2000s movie. And I've never seen it. This was such a... Cool, because this was like such a thing at the time. I don't know. This is uh-huh. like a hype, this was like a hyped up Ashton Kutcher, right? Ashton Kutcher is it? Brittany Murphy, I think. Let me. I, I should. So. I need to bring it up on this here. Uh, Rotten rat, Tomatoes. What am I doing? I don't. Not even uh, prepared with those numbers. You guys love those numbers out there. Those those polar bears got to hear those deets on those uh, tomato scores. So it's a thirty four percent from the critic side. And then 81% from the audience. A lot of ratings, 172 from critics, 250,000 from audience. Big disparity there. Very excited. I'll read a little synopsis. College student Evan Treborn, Ashton Kutcher, is afflicted with headaches so painful that he frequently blacks out. While unconscious, Evan is able to travel back in time to difficult moments in his childhood. He can also alter past for friends like Kaylee, Amy Smart, who was molested by her father, Eric Stoltz. Holy shit. But changing the past can drastically alter the present, and Evan finds himself in nightmarish alternate realities, including one where he's locked away in prison. Wow, that was a lot to unpack even in that synopsis. Wow, wow, wow. Uh, We will be doing that next week. Uh, If you care to uh, reach us in any way, you can find us on Twitter at PolarizedPod. Uh, you can watch us on Twitch if you care at uh, Polarized Pod on Twitch, www.twitch.tv slash Polarized Pod. You can shoot us a line at uh, Polarized po- Pod at gmail.com if you uh, want to send us anything there. And don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. <laughs> and smash that like button. <laughs> smash that fucking like button. Um, and just be, I it just it just have it be known. I check the email all the time. So yeah, like, please send yeah. us send us anything. Send us stuff. Yeah, we would we would love it. Um, this has been this is always really fun for us to do. We appreciate anyone out there who's listening. We really do. Hope you've enjoyed the the ride thus far. I this might be our fiftieth episode. I think so, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it should be right around there. Yeah, yeah. You know, we've been, and I think I mentioned before, we've been doing this for over a year. This has been a fun ride and we hope you have enjoyed and uh, yeah, hope you uh, continue to listen and we'll see you next week for the butterfly effect. Yes. 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 Bye-bye. Bye-bye.